Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What is up, weirdos? Like, really, what is what is happening in your lives? I can't, I can't tell. Uh, what what's today? Oh, it's Thursday, which means this is for Friday's episode, which means you're hearing this on Friday, which means it's Dana Gould, which is exciting. Uh, just a couple things before we start. As usual, you made it weird.com. The t-shirts are, are are going really well, and I'm I'm so happy about that. That is the most direct way to support the show, but it's also, I think, the most fun way, because uh, we got some great shirts. They're all made by fans. They're all made by weirdos, and it's so happy to see that that hot weirdo on weirdo love happening on the interweb. So, you made it weird.com. Uh, let's see. What else do I have to say? All of my tour dates are on PeteHolmes.com. I, I've been forgetting to plug Bonnaroo. I'll be at Bonnaroo. I'll be at Bumbershoot. Uh, Bumbershoot, I'll be a part of Comedy Mutant, um, which is a tour we're doing with Brian Posehn, Kyle Kinane. Uh, all the names that rhyme with that. Uh, it's going to be the best. Uh, weird at Nerdist.com is how to email the show. I'm so sorry. I've been kind of bad about getting back to him, but I've just started taking a crack at it. So please, please be patient. I do appreciate it very much. Uh, Ugly Americans. Well, that's over, I think. Watch repeats of Ugly Americans. And Madhouse in San Diego, May 4th and 5th. Laughing Skull Atlanta, May 10th through 13th. Salt Lake City, uh, I'm going to be at Wise Guys, May 17th through 19th. June, uh, actually May 31st through June 2nd, I'll be at the Comedy Attic in Indiana. I'm coming back to Helium, uh, to Portland, June 13th through 16th. Uh, and don't forget those festivals. We're not brought to you by Gamefly. We're brought to you by Amazon. So to uh, another way to support the show is go to Nerdist.com, go to this website, click on the Amazon banner, and then shop as you normally would. In theory, you could buy video games. They have all the games. They have uh, Bioshock. Um, three, it's just swimming, no city. There's no city, it's just a swimming game. Uh, Super Mario Half Brothers, Awkward Barbecue. <laughs> Mass Effect 4, Massachusetts Effect. It's, uh, it's a sci-fi game, but instead of a like spaceship, you're in uh, Kelly's Roast Beef in Revere. Uh, Fable, they just have the game Fable. <laughs> Skyrim 2, Skyrim Job, um, subtitle Fuck Me With Your Elder Scroll. <laughs> These are really doing it for me today. An Excite Bike 2 Enthusiastic Bike. I should have ended on the Skyrim one. That one that was the funniest one. I'm a professional comedian. I should have known that. Did I already do God of War 4 Mormon Jesus? That was in here. That's, I had that written down on the scrap right here. God of War 4 Mormon Jesus. Oh, that's great. Uh, enjoy Dana Gould. A delight. A, a true delight, also from Massachusetts. A Simpsons writer. He's the best. Please, please enjoy this. I really hope you enjoy it. Goodbye. You can start now-ish. Because what right. I would like to talk about, what you just touched on is very interesting. Opportunities come and go. Is that philosophy something that, that performers have? I was just on the phone with my mother. I call my mom on Sunday. Do you? Uh, oh, you know, I got to call my mom. She's in a rehab right now. Is that true? Yes. Not a drug rehab, a, a, an old person's rehab. Oh, no. She fell down the stairs. You don't recover her, from being old, And her though. body exploded. No. Yes. You know you know what's funny, man? Sorry. It I'll happened it. in the first 30 <laughs> seconds. I'm, I'm re-watching the fourth season of The Simps. The Simps, uh-huh. man. 
lot of exploding stuff. A lot of that, yeah, that, that was the that was the uh, grocery cart rolling out of control, exploding. Yeah, I love that. Mole man driving <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe's house, the birthplace of Edgar Allan Poe, for no reason. Yeah, it goes off a cliff. I believe that's the first time I we think see a mole lot man. of that was. Conan. I think Conan might have been on the show right around then. That was uh, yes. That, a lot that's of the him, season yeah. that Conan came on. Yeah, the, he, he. I think he was a big uh, progenitor of that. And that it remains a thing. I'm sorry to bring up Simpsons right away, but that's let's, quite all right. Well, I won't forget to come back to Simpsons. I will forget to come back to this. Okay, which is the idea My exploding mother <laughs> of your exploding mother. No, of compartmentalizing worry. And yes. Focus. Oh God. This is a skill that uh, that all performers and I, I'd imagine other professions, but let's talk about yeah. it in the realm of performing need to have. Because I talked to my mom, and I have some irons in the fire. Sure. We all have irons in Nash. the fire. We naturally have irons in the fire. In fact, it's right. our job as performers to accustom ourselves to having. Uh, you know, it's yeah. a better analogy than irons in the fire. Balls in the air. Balls in the air. We don't know if they're coming back. Yeah, see, I equate – no, exactly. And it's like if I call – like normally auditions I call a Frisbee out the window. Like I, throw, <laughs> I throw a Frisbee out the window. It doesn't even make a sound. That's yeah. what's so fun about and, that analogy. Right. <sighs> and maybe it will come back in another window. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just chucking it out and then it's out of my head. I don't think about it. Well, that's a great, that's a great uh, way to look at right. it. Right. Unless what happened to me that we were talking about earlier is that then you get a call, it was great. Yeah. But even, even. So I have it? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the deal? It's up to someone you don't know, and you're powerless over the result. Yep. Terrific stuff. Yeah. I'll just be here. Good night. Yeah. (laughs) Sleep well, Dana Gould. (laughs) Yes. Everything you have going could fall apart if a guy goes one way or the other. It's it's nighty night. A balancing act. You fall one way, you fall into a pile of money. How do people? You fall the other way. It's razor blades. Uh, Yeah. I was on a jury for a murder. Ah! And I don't know how that guy slept those two weeks. The murderer. Yeah. The guy accused of murder. Yeah. Oh, by the end of it. <laughs> he was, thanks to you. He's now official. Uh, he's Twitter uh, valid. What's it called? Verified. He's, he's verified. murder verified. Yeah. I wanted to follow him on Twitter because I, I just thought it would be great if when the verdict came in, if he had a tweet and what the emoticon would be for going to prison. Uh, so, you know, I'm guessing. Colon dash forwards comma. Colon dash forwards comma. Yeah. Colon dash forwards comma. Oh, no. And then the, the lawyer is colon dash uh, zero because he was shocked. He thought it was in the bag. Yeah. He had and, a public defender. Yeah. Look, maybe he did do it. I don't know. Ah, so funny. Wait, okay, let's let's stay on the idea of so you're you're like a murderer. Conversationally, basically. I'm throwing a lot of balls in the air and we're that, gonna no, that's, pluck them that's all what the show out. is. That's what the show is. And we'll drop thirty percent of them. They'll never come back. Sure. Someone's listening to the show and they go, get back to the Kennedy theory. And we'll never get <laughs> yeah, to it. We'll just, never get to it. I know. But this is interesting. So I'm talking to my mother and I say to her. And she's um, in Massachusetts. She's in Massachusetts. Where is my mother? Where your mother is from as well. My mother's not from there. She's from uh, Virginia. Let's fucking... But she's been up there since back in 54. 54. Yeah. But she still has a Virginia accent. I still call her. I go, hey, ma. Hi. Ah, she, uh, did, she didn't adopt the Never funny, adopted. the funniest no. accent, the Boston accent. No, and my father's review. My father's. Ex- my mom fell down the stairs and she broke her pelvis and her wrist. Oh no! Yeah, and that's so funny. I was just talking to my mother about like uh, hurting a finger and she might need surgery. Yeah, oh, my mother's having to find out if she has. How old's your mom? She's seventy. Oh, mom is seventy-nine. Yeah, and yeah, she's waiting to hear. My, and she's I just, waiting to hear. I hear my dad in the other room just shouting into the phone because my I'm talking to my sister who's about as you know. St- Shop as a bag of fucking hammers. Ah, and, uh, without just, the shop side. Those old timey hammers. Yeah, old that ball don't team, ball <laughs> and I just hear my dad in the, I hear my dad in the other room going, Well, the bones are like cornflakes. 
Disgusted with my mother for having her bones that break, and how she reflects on him his own fear of bone breakage. I imagine. Yeah. My, I will say this about my father. My father is eighty-three years old. And wow, he God is love him. A tank. Really? He could still put me through a wall, what which is those? how we judge our father's health by the amount of damage he could still do to us. <laughs> When he was 50, yeah. he could have thrown me to the yeah. moon. Dad bro. had a stroke. How was he? Uh, he could still break your wrist, but I think your arm, he couldn't do it. Oh, no. I better get back there. That's how the old school Boston doctors yeah. they go, punch me in the nose, Frank. Punch <laughs> me. He'll be, he's yeah. on the mend. At the very end of his life, how's dad? Oh, he could put a cigarette on in your hand, but that's about it. I better get over there. He's like from thick stock. Yeah, we're 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 te- peasants. Peasant, yeah, peasants. Is that where peasant stock? That's where we get like girthy and uh, rough hands. Yeah, just you know, big uh, Jack Kerouac. Those guys, people. Yes, those Burly. guys that can smoke and it like doesn't seem to bother them. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I, I do. Just My dad doesn't smoke anymore, but he did. But he did. Yeah, because I might have to learn if I. There's a thing that coming up that I might have to learn how to smoke, which for I'm, an acting part. Yeah, I've never smoked before ever anything. You've never inhaled a cigarette. Never. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A That's joint, cool. a cigarette, a pipe. I've yeah. so, every mystery I've solved, I've solved without a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> say, the thing, it. say the thing about Hobo Bindle. <laughs> oh, say the, the thing about Hobo Bindle. I'm on The oh, Simpsons every time. On The Simpsons, this came from George Meyer. <laughs> George Meyer uh, had a thing, obsession with ho- hobos. Yes. And when we would have a script, whenever we would mention a hobo, the, the, <laughs> we would have to put after the hobo... In parentheses, with Bindle. And then... In the script. In the script, Hobo with, with Bindle. With Bindle. And the funniest, uh, there's a thing called a parenthetical. <laughs> yes. Which comes after what we call a slug line. In the script, it would say, like, Bart. And then below it, right. w- Bart's line. And the, par- I- and the parenthetical would come under the name of, like, Bart concerned. <laughs> right. Where's dad? Staring out window. Yes. Exactly. And once we had Hobo, <coughs> all business. <laughs> <laughs> Which just looking at it made us go, for, made us laugh for like half an hour. Those are my fondest memories of The Simpsons. Are just the, those little things that would drive us berserk. And uh, and once and they mostly involve George Meyer, who who is truly truly a, he was a, a gifted producer. Yeah, he was he was a writer, one of the writers, but really um, one of the. Uh, uh, you know, if 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 Matt Groening and Sam Simon are are John Lennon and Paul McCartney, yeah. he's George Martin. He uh, was equally uh-huh. in their shape. Oh uh, wow. wow! And um, that was a monkey's reference for the young kids. Yeah. And uh, but George, once we had an argument over a joke, and George quite angrily just shouted in utter dead seriousness, "Look, nobody wants cargo pants in this punchline more than me." Okay. <laughs> That is a writer's room, man. Yeah. Serious discussions yeah. about silly, silly things. Yeah. And, one day, like, and Mike Scully, who was also on the show at the time, would, one day we, we were just sitting there, Mike Scully just went, I don't know. I want to wreak something. Not havoc. <laughs> <laughs> I want to 
wreak something. Yeah, not havoc. Not havoc, but something. In the neighborhood of havoc. Neighborhood. That is so funny. Havoc adjacent. Something is so funny. I speak in script terms all the time. I find yeah. it very helpful. And what was the show that you were writing? Uh, nobody wants to hear about that, Mr. Simpsons. I do. Yeah, okay, well, let's talk like friends. Yes. Um, I <laughs> we'll put on a simulcrum. I wrote for two shows that are kind of like, I call them punchline shows because right. people made jokes about them. I've written on a lot of those too. Yes. Yeah, and I, you know, one of my favorite writing quotes of all time, maybe you said it to me, it takes a room of geniuses to write a terrible show. Oh, no, I'm not saying either of my... I agree with it. It's true, man. I'm not saying either of my shows were terrible. In fact, I think they were uh, very uh, very good uh, in some ways. God, I don't yeah. I don't know how to shit on them appropriately. There were parts of both of them well, that I work didn't and there's like. your work and there's your life and there's a time like, hey, my life's pretty good. I'm writing for a living. Absolutely. My brother's a prison guard. Screw Is that it. true? Yeah, too. In fucking Revere? Uh, no, uh, North, uh, Norfolk. Norfolk? We don't, yeah, the high school there. We don't drink and we don't smoke. Norfolk, Norfolk. Is that real? No. Are they a straight up. edge school? <laughs> hey, that's not funny. We got to get back to you not smoking every anything. Uh, so, I get, no. What were we? Oh, right. your shows. Right. Just so name I wrote the for, show. I'm going to do it, Dana. Outsourced. Okay, no, completely acceptable sure, show. Sure, it was sure. On, yeah, and then uh, on NBC, major network. It was on major network show. I'm in the guild. In the guild. <laughs> I'm in the guild. Your insurance. Got my insurance. I get my screeners. That's yeah. All oh, I you care get about. screeners. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, Jesus. And then so we got outsourced, and then we got fucking. Uh, I hate my teenage daughter. Oh, those are true. I, no, I thought you thought. In, I thought you wrote in New York for some reason. In those New York, those are both out here. Yeah, those are both out here. That's huh. why. That's what uh, brought me over. I wanted to move to Los Angeles, and like a lot of people, I think wrongly, I was like, I'll only go when I have a job. But yeah. I would go from time to time, and then I got outsourced, and I was like, now I'm definitely going to. See, go. I didn't. I wanted to move to Los Angeles too. I never wanted to move to New York from Boston. New York just seemed like a. a yeah, step. but for a writer, certainly. Yeah, but and I was a comic. You, I, I mean, oh. I moved to L.A. as a comic. I, oh, okay. I, I fell into writing after getting disgusted with trying to become a star. Interesting. Yeah, I, I <laughs> fell into writing, and now I'm crawling out of it. Yeah, well, no, um, you, you're doing something that I think is very admirable. You wrote for The Simpsons for seven years, and then you were like, I'd like to do my own fucking thing. Yeah. And now you're doing your own fucking thing. Yes, and then I, but what I, what, what I, I said, I left The Simpsons. I want to do my own thing again. And what it feels it, good, doesn't it? Yeah, but what happens is I want to I want to work on some things that are then placed against my sphincter and tapped in with a croquet mallet because every <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. Wait, what do you mean by that? Well, what like is I being wor- tapped well, into just, your I, You know, it's, you get used to. You know, when you're in The Simpsons, you know, life is pretty sweet. Everybody thinks you're a genius. When well, yep, not. yep. You can show up every day. You don't have to take notes in the network. Yep. You get a free lunch. Yep. You know, you're and then you go out there and like. You do a pilot and it gets made, and yeah, we're not going to make it. Right. And you go out on auditions all the time. Yeah, so, it's down to you and Paul Newman. They don't know which way they're going to uh, go. You know, so. You, while you were on The Simpsons, were trying to develop? No, I was. Um, no, I was on there and I, I was doing it. I wrote a couple of movies while I was on The Simpsons. Okay. Uh, I never. This is a true story. Um, I. Went in. I would. I was performing forever, and I was pretty known. I'd been on TV and had specials on a CD and everything. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was on Seinfeld, and I did all this stuff. And then I, I, I did a couple of pilots that didn't go, uh, that didn't get picked up. And I found that. And then I wrote one that got made but didn't get picked up. Uh-huh. World on a string. Is that what it was called? Yeah, it was a great pilot. I'm really proud of it. I wish they made it. It was it's basically so, yeah. Seinfeld in the world of Pee Wee's Playhouse. A really? guy with like normal problems, but in a hyper reality. I really oh. loved it. Oh. Kevin McDonald was in it from Kids in the Hall. Fine. Paget Brewster's first job. And this pilot exists. They shot it. Yeah, yeah, it's on video, you videotape. Can, you can 
what you can consume it somehow. People can, listening can to the show it. can consume it. I'd have to post it somewhere, which I think is it. profoundly illegal. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Long story longer. I want to um, reek something. Yeah, not havoc. <laughs> I, I found I really, I found I really enjoyed writing it, and and then through a situation of circumstances, George Meyer, who was a, a fan of my stand-up, uh, heard that I was looking to write, and they said, "Do you want to come into the Simpsons just a day a week?" And punch up jokes. Wait, so he liked your stand up. See, this is mm-hmm. this is how I uh, I run into trouble because I try and sometimes tell people how to get into writing. And if you're not a stand up, I, I have no idea. I, have I don't no, know how to tell you to get into no writing. I know people ask me idea. that all the time. I don't know. I have no idea either. Yeah. You all you just like you wake up from a dream and suddenly you're in a writer's room and you're like, What the fuck is happening here? Yeah. And you're waiting for them to realize that you don't that belong. That you don't know there. what you're doing, yeah. Get out of here. They what figured you that just, out really quick. You're saying jo- you were there for seven years, Dana. <laughs> well, seven yeah. years. She's machines. <laughs> I slipped into a Morpheus impression <laughs> for 17 years when he did the speech from Forbidden Planet. No, Morpheus. Ooh, Morpheus from the Matrix. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's not. Around, everybody uh, skips that scene. It's a terrible scene. Yeah, these is machines. That the first, is that in the first one? It's in the second you one. See, I never saw the second one. Second one. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Better than the first one? <clears throat> nope. Better movie. Worse film. First one's the best film. Uh-huh. Everyone's the best movie. Yeah, and one of the guys who made that is a dude now. I think is I a mean, lady. Is a lady went from yeah, yep. but not really Barney. Just a surgically mangled dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no, <laughs> you know, but not really. No, you're not. Nah. I was in. I was in American Rag. Yeah, the <laughs> vintage clothing store. Uh huh. There used to be one in but San Francisco. Not really, there used to be one in San Francisco, and there was one in L.A. Now. Uh huh. And this is 1987, and I'm Good in year. there. I lived in San Francisco. I lived in there. Uh, uh, was in there shopping with a friend of mine visiting from Boston. This is San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Two drag queens trying on dresses. <laughs> Very common. It's really, it is. And they're just guys trying on dresses. Yeah. And the guy goes, how does this look to you? <laughs> to my, your friend? To No, to, to his friend. Oh, to his friend. And my friend from Boston goes... It looks fucking stupid. You're a guy. Oh no! That <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta go. Tell that me we gotta happened. Go. <laughs> yeah. It looks we fucking go. stupid, da- buddy. What the fuck are you doing? I can't believe he didn't say queer. Queer. It's a big Q U I. Queer. Hey queer. Hey queer. Hey queer. Come here queer. What are you fucking retard? Well, that's the thing. You know, <laughs> the- all the- I'm so sorry. I just like to apologize to some of the lizards. They hate even using those words. Let me in t- context. Well, let me let me keep into you Bo- right now. You can't do a Boston accent no. without saying queer. There are two words. Retard. Because of Tracy Morgan. Hmm. Homophobia was an. Ex- you couldn't make fun of gay people, but you could make fun of homophobia. You could, you could do jokes about like I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to drop the soap in the shower. Right. No. And and those jokes go on, and then that reaches a point where people go, you know what? That's not good either anymore. Right. We don't. Like We're not going to do that either anymore. Right. And that was really Tracy, not him specifically, but that event was sort of the straw that broke the camel's the back. The stab thing. Yeah. You could do a lot of homophobic jokes. Um, all the time, even long after you couldn't make fun of gay people, but a person's homophobia was acceptable as a joke. And that was- you're saying it was okay for him to not. I'm not saying you're saying it was okay, but I'm saying up until a point, it was okay for a guy to be like, "I'm homophobic. I, I, if I yeah. see a gay person, I run away." Yeah, you could do jokes. Uh, you know, you could do jokes in the '80s, '90s. It was just about like, oh, I'm terrified of, you know, I was like, oh, right. I'm not going to go to prison. You couldn't do like gay people smell right. Long like at, right. sewers Long or whatever at, you right. want. Well, yeah, in the 60s, it was all like a couple of guys named Bruce. Right. Bruce was a big yeah. uh, code word for gay guys. Really? Yeah, Bruce was. Sissy, too. Sissy. I, I just missed sissy. Yeah. 
Uh, I grew up in a time when the older guys would say sissy, and I was like, come on. Like, yeah. they're getting away with something. Right. And you know what you're saying. A lot of it was just the act, way of effeminate talking was just a cheap joke. Right. Um, that still occurs somewhat. Yeah. But it, was, uh, but it was acceptable. Right. You know? And then these things go out of vogue, and then people go, you know what? No. We're, we've evolved beyond that. Now. Right, right, right. Uh, if you look at Raw, which is 1987, yeah, I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all homophobia. Yeah. And now, and now that's just like, no, you can't do that. Now. Right. Raw wouldn't fly. Right. So in this, I, I don't know say, if that's a bad thing. Is no, it's a, a good thing. It's, it's a, a good, good thing. thing. It's a good yeah. thing. It is a good thing. But the point I was making was. It sucks to say that, like, Raw, I'm glad that Raw exists. That's part yeah. A. And part B is I don't want people doing jokes like that anymore. Yeah. And I don't think Raw it's is. It's a weird thing to I say. I don't think though. Raw is one tenth as funny as Delirious. We're getting into comedy. Yeah. Getting into the Eddie Murphy weeds here. You're taking me into your uh, your leather bound library. Yeah. My I, leather library. <laughs> I prefer this one. Yeah. It's, it's Eddie Murphy, Delirious, the best of Fonzie, and. <laughs> Rebel without a cost. Um, I'm not an Eddie Murphy expert, but I was surprised. Which one is it when he's like, hey, man, you want to go get a beer? No, I'm going to go suck up somebody's dick. That one. That's probably raw. Yeah. yeah. It's a, certainly a raw joke. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it is a raw <laughs> joke. No, but, but he burst. He exploded when I first started, so I know. Uh-huh. Uh, he was like in my in my face when I started. Who is, oh, I was just talking to uh, oh, David Keckner about mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. Right. And you just watch... He's killing before he gets to his mark on The Tonight Show. We're talking about that yes. quality of just like, what You the see fuck? him, yeah, no, I saw him live on the Delirious Tour, and it you was, did? yeah, I was like seeing Elvis. Yeah, I was, was just going like, to say, I just yeah. felt like you saw Elvis. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was like. It was that's just like, crazy. He, he walked out on stage in, in, a, in a white leather jumpsuit. Yep. And, because, and it was just like, you're in the room with him. Dana, I, I've said this many times on the show, but uh, talking about comedy and sex, like a similarity mm-hmm. between sex uh, and comedy. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Somebody like Eddie Murphy has that X factor. I was just talking to these guys, and they're writing this book called The Humor Code. And they're trying to break down what makes us laugh. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of talking about, like, you violate. Oh, good. <laughs> but what I wish so, I Did you tell them the frog analogy? Uh, you know, what is it? You can dissect a frog. The only way you can, you know, the only way to find out how a frog works is if you dissect it, but when you do, you kill a frog. Uh, I can't believe you said that because what I say is if you want the song, don't dissect the goose, basically. There you go. Or not, I should pick a songbird, but I, I pick goose to be funnier. It's funnier right. to picture cutting open a goose. But I said the same thing. Yeah. It's like you're going to kill it. But yeah. what I wish I had said was All the magic we- happens in the hat. Don't look in the hat. Yeah, that's good too. Mm-hmm. But also, I would say that there's some like you could quantify if you. I love comedy nerd stuff. I'm so glad we got into this area. <laughs> you can break down. You could take the best night of romance between hot Latin lovers that like just met at a wine bar and like there was an awesome guitar yeah. player. It's just one man and it sounds like eight guitars and linen shirts and champagne flutes. And yeah. All of a sudden they're fucking in some sort of canopy bed with the windows open and the yeah. moon. You could break that down and be like, blood is going to his dick. He gets an erection. He right. goes into a vagina that is moistened. You know what I mean? Her uh, the hair raised on the no, back of the neck. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's, the kind, I, that's the kind of talking I like. Should, should I slow down? Uh, and break it down technically what's right. happening. But the sex, the real turn on stuff is all X Factor, I yeah. think. It's he all intellectual. A, it's all Eddie Murphy on the stage in the suit. He has a level of charisma that is undeniable. I'll tell you where X Factor. Yeah, X Factor. Yes. Um, uh, Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's father, yep. he of Stiller and Mira. Yes. Uh, the the great Ben's Ben's great and his parents are also great yes um, I felt you maybe were you trying to buffer the idea that you think that Jerry is the better 
It, I felt, <laughs> but I felt Jerry's like, the star of this story, uh, but I'm okay. friends with okay. I know Ben more. Yes. Um, but to, to tell you what a great guy Jerry Stiller is, I met Oh, Dana! I'm trying to do Ben Stiller. <laughs> Dana! I, I met them I when, tried, though. I met them before the Ben Stiller show. I mm-hmm. met them around that time, around 1990, 1991, when we were all hanging out together. And, uh, and then we were on... I met them as Ben's friend. And then we were on a plane together going back east because they have a house in Nantucket. Mm-hmm. Ben's dad comes back from first class and sits with me and coach the whole <laughs> flight. What? Because I'm his son's friend, so he's going to sit with me. He's not going to sit up and coach. In first class? In first class. He's going to sit back and coach. But went up to first class to get our dinner and brought them, like, I'll, let, me, let me get us a good dinner. And we went, he went up. He's the, I can't say enough nice about the guy. This fucking man came back from first class? Sat me the whole time. The land of milk and honey Sam to coach? The, the land of warm cashews? Yeah, warmed yep. cashews Everything. and a stewardess named Yvonne mm-hmm. to come back to coach passing the curtain to yep. sit on a canvas chair that hasn't been washed yeah, since I know. fucking Vietnam. Talking to me for five hours. And talking to you? And he, but he was, telling me about, <laughs> he was telling me about meeting John F. Kennedy. Uh, and he uh, goes, and he goes. Uh, there was a guy, when he was in the room. He met him. He was in the room. Fucking perfect way. We were, no, it's, and it's a great Chicago. He goes. Ann and I were working Mr. Kelly's in Chicago. Yeah. And I read that he was doing a, a an appearance. He was running for president, and I I, went, I wanted to see him. And I went down there and I knew some people because you know, we were headlining Mr. Kelly's. I made some calls. I go down there, and uh, you know when he walked in the room. He was in the room. I love that. I, it's a great story. Uh, like, I love if you've the, ever turned around and just saw somebody really famous, it's just like, yeah. I was just talking to TJ about confidence. It's this absurd thing. TJ is one of the most confident people I know. I'm a very confident person, and I hang out with TJ, and I want to tuck my dick between my legs. Right. You know, and he just outshines me in that way. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that idea that you go into an audition, talk about your Frisbee out the window. Right. TJ doesn't throw the Frisbee. TJ takes a bite out of the Frisbee and then punches the casting director and then right. runs. And then they give him a part. <coughs> He's just this insane person. Yeah. But that idea of you want to go in the room and you want to change the temperature of the room. Right. Not with, Nobody likes cocky. Nobody likes No, but arrogance. everybody likes confidence. People like certainty. Confident guys get laid. Confident, uh, yeah, we all know ugly comedians that uh, have a lot of sex. It's certainty. You can even tell yourself to walk with certainty. What would it be like to walk with certainty? Your whole body will change. It's a right. weird thing. So I love the movie. Uh, I only like what, five movies, and one of them is The Assassina- Assassination of Jesse James. comes up a lot on the show. And they talk about Jesse James, and they're like, when he was in the room, uh, time slowed. Rains fell straighter. I, uh-huh. I, love, I love that line. Like, yeah. It changed the way rain. Is that the one with Brad Pitt? Yeah. It's his best role by far. I have to see it. I've never he, seen uh, it. Look, I'm not here to say Brad Pitt's a bad actor. I think he's a good actor. But he's the best when all he has to do is look fucking cool as shit, mm-hmm. tired, and say very few things. Right. It's like a perfect part. It's the same with Gosling, my other, my, one of my other favorites, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Don't make him talk too much. Yeah, drive. Same, he's great in drive. Exactly. Same with Matt Damon, Born Ultimatum. Don't mm-hmm. let him, don't, don't, not let him, but he doesn't need to talk too much. You know, it's funny. I, I, I do a lot of comedic roles, and I just recently auditioned for a dramatic role. And it, the difference is, it's all in that. Which it's, is? Oh, how little talking- can I do? How little can I do? How little can I do? Fucking brilliant, man! And what can I do with my eyes? And and it was it it's was like jazz. It's the notes you don't play. So it, it, yeah, it is well put. And I and to lock in on the casting, you know, I was it was a detective thing, and I was and it just to lock in on the casting director and and and, and cow them. Yeah, you know, then cow you know, them. Yeah, I've never heard that. Yeah, you know, I get it. And it was just like, and then when they're like, great. Yep. Like, you want to do it again? Nope. Nope. 
Yeah. Fucking dick. Yeah, and then the delete to the then, knee. Then delete the <laughs> delete the video as I watch. Um, <laughs> this is the reverse story. Robert Schimmel, if you remember Robert Schimmel, sure. God, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. uh, walked into an audition once, stood up, said, "Where do you want me to fail from?" And the director said, "You just did." Is that true? Mm-hmm. I wish I thought that story was going to be. You just got the part. No, I don't want to. No, he just lost the part. Yeah. I don't want your. I thought that was confident, though. That's interesting. No, because it because no, what it is is I just got that's comedians controlling. Yes, it's like I'm, I'm terrified gonna how I feel. I'm terrified you're going to reject me, so I'll reject me first. Yep, I did. A, I did not. I, I love telling these war stories, and I hope people like hearing them. Is I did an audition recently and was for a film, and I don't go out for a lot of films, and I can only do me. You know right. what I mean? I'm not really an actor. I'm not going to like disappear and <laughs> yeah. I can I can change the levels. It's yeah. like a stereo. It's going to be the same tape playing. I can just have a little less bass, a little more trouble, yeah. whatever. But it's going to be the same song for the most part. And maybe that'll change with time. I don't know. But I go into the audition and I do it. And then they're like, well, let's do it again. And I was like, why are we going to do it again? And she's like, yeah, to show range. And I go, I don't have any range. <laughs> and, then, and then like she laughed. And like it, it, I'm doing a callback with the director, which is very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that goes... Sometimes honesty is is confident. Right. Like talking about your shortcomings is. Well, confident. How, you know, I, I here's some tips for auditions for people who might want to who might care. Sure. And for the rest of you, we'll turn down the. Uh, having been on the other side of that, having I want to because I something. <laughs> I know, not, not having. Havoc. <laughs> having produced. Every time having, your face. I know. It's 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 a shame. <laughs> I feel so privileged that I get to see the way you say not havoc because you're looking. Like you're searching for what yeah, you want to read. Only the, the podcast people can hear. I get to see it. I feel very lucky for that. <laughs> That's why I keep teeing it up. Here's some uh, some audition tips. Well, yeah, because I've also cast a lot of stuff. I've written and produced As pilots. I. Not and, yeah. not on the fancy level, yeah. but you know, little things. But you bring in people. Yep. Uh, one, they want you to be the guy. They want you. everyone thinks they hate me. They don't. No, if you're the guy, they can relax and go to lunch. Yep. They are them. rooting for they're you. They're so rooting for Similar you. Similar to a comedy audience. Yeah, they're rooting for you. They want you to be the guy, too. They want you to be the guy. And um, a lot of it is just, will I want to hang out with this person? Ah. You know, we. I. there were people that did really good reads, and for, they were, oh. but they're just so hinky. And, and, then, and then I have a very good friend who's a casting director who I really owe a lot to, um, who said, and this is good for you. Because I would go in and I would sort of be hilarious. Right. And then, and he goes, good, good. So you've made sure they understand that you're not an actor. Good. They're looking for an actor. Interesting. (laughs) You know, it's like, don't, you're not a comedian. Go in. As an actor. Smile. Be pleasant. Uh, Interesting. Do your job. Smile and get out. Interesting. Don't labor. Don't hang out. I've also had Kumail say, Kumail and I go out for a lot of the same things. He does better than I do. Yes. Uh, But he and I have this thing where it's like, on shows that I've written for, we watch a lot of the tape of the actors. And the writers hate when people riff. Everything that I've gotten, though, is because I riff. No, that's fine. If you riff during the scene, if that's one thing. But don't come in and do 10 minutes and then get down to your read. Yeah. Because all that says is, I'm nervous. Yeah, that's true. And it actually kind of goes back to that Eddie Murphy suit thing. It's yeah. interesting. What people don't know about writing jobs is there's also an audition for that, sure. essentially, where you go in and you meet with the showrunner and you meet with whoever. I don't yeah. know who the other person is, a network person. I don't know. That entire meeting it's can audition, be boiled yeah. down to – it's an audition for you not being an asshole. Yeah, no, that really is do I want to sit in a room with this guy all fucking And game. I say it. I, you know, I'm sorry to be weird. 
but I'm good at those meetings because sure, I will just say to them, listen, I'm not a dummy. I'm not a monster. I'm not here to like hit on the girls or right. whatever. I'm not going to fart in the room. I don't say that, but you know, yeah. like I'm not, yeah. I'm the kind of guy that you can hang out with. I know when to dial it back, you know, regardless yeah. of what people might think that listen to the show, but I'm not this way all the time. I can take it easy. Yeah. You, that all that can be summed up when you just go like this. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, and you can tell right away. Yeah. No, I had a, a, a an audition for something um, where uh, I have a, a mutual friend, uh, the director, and I have a mutual friend. And I found out after I was called in, he called a mutual friend and said, hey, you like Dana, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, and, and he's, he's a good guy. He's, and my friend's like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the best. And yeah. he's like, oh, okay, good, good, because I was thinking of bringing him in. Yeah. But that's a lot of like... Because I've been in rooms where I've seen people's names brought up and just it's somebody, a, life's too short. It's a terrible thing. I've seen friends of mine not get jobs. Friend, I've oh, I'm not proud of this, but you there's this. But cl- I've taken food off a lot of people's uh, table. No. Well, I mean, it's come up, and I'm a nice guy. I, I like to say I'm a nice guy. So what are assholes like? I don't even know. You know right. what I mean? I've gotten calls and they're like this guy, and you're like that is the worst guy. These aren't friends of mine. Right. These are guys that I uh, that I've met, and I'm like. It's like when I you if you were to ask me about a comedian that I don't like, what do I say? You know what I say? I say he's a great guy, such a sweet guy. Yeah, yeah you just keep it away from his material. Yeah. It's the same thing with writing and stuff. And these people yeah. want to know how is this guy? And you're like, he's such a nice guy, such a sweet guy. I love that guy. Yeah. What about his stuff? Oh, God, good guy. What a good shirts, <laughs> clean <laughs> shirts. Yeah, this oh, guy's shirts scrubbed. He scrubbed. Who scrubs his shirt? <laughs> does he? Does he? Does he pitch a lot? He has haircuts once a month. I swear yeah, to God. Yeah, he has once a month if he has does a it. lot of vinyl. Still has a lot of vinyl. <laughs> what kind of a fellow are you in the room? I bet you're a delight. Are you a performer? Oh no, I was definitely like I kept the. Room. You do the voices and stuff. Uh, yeah, I was Mr. Clown. That name again, Mr. Clown. Uh, you know, Mr. Plow reference. The room, uh, the room, the level of room bits went way up when I, I went love in room there. bits. But but I was because it was because I was dying inside because because you couldn't stand being there because I had I had turned my back on my on my on your on calling what, on my calling on well, your annoyment. Yes, and I had a very very good and I was really depressed when I left the show and I was kind of fumfering around and uh, um because I was still like writing movies. And not really. I hadn't sort of gone back to stand up with a fervor. I was kind of being a dilettante, mm-hmm. and then a lot. You know, I have kids, and I have a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. To, I have other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a very, very good shrink who said, "You know, you have to do what you do, mm-hmm. and all the other things: writing and acting, and a, a book or a pot. All of that will come." From what you do. And he said the smartest thing. He said, uh, do you think anybody would buy Steve Martin's book if he wasn't Steve Martin? Yeah. And I said, no. And he goes, yeah, it's a great book. It's a fine book. But it's because we know Steve Martin is Steve Martin. Yeah. That allows him to, to do, do all these other things. Right. But you can't take away the thing that drives it. It's really funny that you, I, I yeah. think those things all the time. I was trying to do cartoons for The New Yorker, right? Uh-huh. And I did a couple. And then I was like, then I stopped. And then I was like, but now, the, the, the bigger I get, and I'm not saying I'm big. I'm saying if, if things go as I'd like them to go, yeah, and if I get you big, would just explode. Yeah, then I could put out a book of my cartoons. You know why? Because I'm Steve Martin. I'm not saying I'm right. Steve Martin. That's almost no. like blasphemy to me because he's my favorite. But, that but I'm was, just saying you would buy a book of a guy. I know that guy from this thing. I'll buy his cartoons. But that was, 
exactly where I was getting at like 25 minutes ago. When I started to go into writing, I started to think what I would love to do is get so established as as a you know I I, I thought that I would become a comedian, I'd become really famous, and I would act in movies, and mm-hmm. I would star in movies, mm-hmm. and I would become so powerful that I would be able to write your own stuff, my own movies, yeah. and it was like. But that is the most bass-ackwards way of becoming a writer. I want to be a pastry chef. And if I am elected president of the United States, Uh, they'll have to let me bake uh, anything I want. uh, (laughs) You can also just write movies. (laughs) Is that the first time you said that? uh, No, it's not. That's hilarious. But that was my... That was my sort of bass backwards way of yes. approaching it, and my and and now it's it's sort of a nice mix. It's I like having an I like doing several different things. Well, I, I like yes, yeah. you like comedy. I like working, and I don't care about becoming a star, which is a huge relief. It's kind of Buddhist of you. It's a it's a release. You've yeah, sur- but I want to work. I, I like to work. Yeah. Um. And and I and I have a level of. I mean, I don't want to be anonymous, but. I don't care. I don't. I don't care. You don't want to be anonymous, right? Absolutely not. Sorry. But I don't care about being the biggest. You don't need to be the biggest fish. Yeah, I don't care. But again, to go back to the New Yorker thing, and I know I've said this before, but it's the idea that these guys, the biggest cartoonists of the New York, no one knows who they are. There's a, there's right. an element we need to be honest about a certain level of recognition that we want. Sure, that's okay. Right. We don't. Neither of us. But I don't like to. You know, I here's this. Here's a quote that really changed my life. Yes. I was listening to an interview with T-Bone Burnett, famous musician T-Bone Burnett. And the person was saying... Of the ribeye T-Bones? <laughs> yeah, the ribeye. Yeah. <laughs> He's a man made of steak. <laughs> aren't we all? I was going to say, aren't yeah. we all? Dana Gould from Half Court. From Half Court. going in. <laughs> hey, the buzzer wasn't even going down. You just decided to shoot. He's reinventing the game. <laughs> and And... Uh, Terry Gross was interviewing him and she goes to t- now your wife was he at the time he was married to Sam Phillips and she had a big hit album called Martinis and Bikinis <laughs> and he goes now your wife has a big hit album you produced Elvis Costello's Spike which is a big hit album right now and you have your own album do you feel like of the three you know theirs there are more theirs are more successful and he said I don't live competitively uh. and that it was like when you get your glass, like yeah. this or this, this or this, this yeah. and then they get the right prescription. Like, ah, I can see. Yeah. Uh, that really resonated better. with me. Better or worse? And it yeah, was better. better or worse, better or worse. L- suddenly your life yeah, was like, better. Oh, th- yeah, and so years later. Dana, fucking brilliant, man. Years later, I meet him. Oh, no, T-Bone. T-Bone Burnett. And I go, I have to tell you, you said this thing in an interview, and I told him. And he goes, did I say that? Yes. Huh. Yeah, I guess that's just one of those things you just kind of say, you don't think about it, but it goes out there. Yes. <laughs> and and it sure did. Like, and I do. I live so competitively. Did I, you say that? No, I don't know, but I, it, ah. didn't, it didn't resonate with him like, yes, that's true. He Here, was like, oh, did I say that? Here's yeah. something I've been thinking about. Competition is an interesting topic. It's the me. death of art. Oh. Competition oh. is the death of art. Oh, DanaJCool.net. <laughs> <laughs> I've called it comedy cancer. Looking mm-hmm. over your neighbor's uh, fence. Right. Everybody that I know, and I've said this many times, I don't care, I want to say it again. Everybody that I know that came up with Aziz that started hating him no longer does comedy. They all quit. They're all done. I'm talking about in New York when I was doing uh-huh. it, here's this young guy, Aziz, shot up very quickly. Right. Uh, and the people that used to sit around at the bar instead of doing their sets and focusing on their shit got comedy cancer and they all died. Mm-hmm. Com- comedy death. 
They're right. all they're all gone. Uh, so you're right. Competition is the death of art. It's a horrible thing. Right. He, but they just didn't like Aziz because he was successful. Uh, they resented his success. Yes. Okay. But I mean, this is true of everybody. I was loathed when I started out in Boston. Okay. Great. I'd, I'd like to clarify before. Let's get to that. I'd like to clarify. I don't mean just Aziz. Aziz no, I know what you're saying. Is an example of somebody of that just comes out of the class, gate really fast, younger yeah. than us, uh-huh. uh, doing it less time, shot up quickly. Right. Yeah. So I understand. people in my little class of comedians. And your problem with him isn't that it's that he's not I, white. I, I don't like non-whites. Yeah, I understand. I learned that. when I went to Africa that the worst thing you can call an African is a non-white. Actually. <laughs> it, it, it's not. I, I don't know if the N word is on that uh, chart. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's one of the choices. But they specifically were like, never refer to someone as non-white. That's the most degrading thing oh, you can that's say. A, I, yeah, I can see why. I wasn't accusing degrading. you of being degrading. I know you aren't. No, I had an interesting observation once. My children are all from China. Uh, my, I know. I can't wait to make jokes because of that. <laughs> <laughs> and we were up and uh, we were visiting some people up in Santa Barbara, and I went to the park with my kids. And I'm sitting there, and I was like, God, this place is so white. Yes. And then I had this realization, in fact, the only people here that aren't white are my kids. Yeah. And suddenly, I, I was totally, I was on the other side of it for the first time in my life, because my kids aren't white. Yeah. And everybody else was. And suddenly, weird. I was like, oh. Do they know? Weird question. Do they know that they're not white? No. Well, they know that they're Chinese. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I kind of felt like You're an just, idiot It's just glare, that. honey. It's just a lot of glare. Ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> but like, but they don't see it as non-white, and where they go to school when, is when, so progressive. Oh, okay, they then, have no yes. understanding of bigotry or homophobia. That's or what anything. I'm getting. At. That's what I'm driving at. My wife let my uh, daughters watch Glee, and uh, they heard the word fag. Yep. And they they wanted to know what it was, and mm-hmm. I had to say, well, you know, when people have two moms or two dads, other people don't like it, and they were like, why? And it was so great to yeah. see. It was like, oh, good. That's really that's yeah, that's yeah, gone yeah. with Greg, the guys. Greg Fitzsimmons uh, did the show and was telling me the same thing. They go yeah. to a progressive school where half the days in Spanish, the other yeah, days yeah, in English. Yeah, yeah, his kids go Spanish immersion, and, which is awesome. Yeah. And then like they ju- and I was like, what do you tell them about homosexuality? What do you tell them about races and all this sort of stuff? He's like, they're so in the deep end of yeah. that stuff in this like magical how I picture your pilot being this wonderful Pee Wee's Playhouse Seinfeld world yeah, 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 yeah. of races and fun and, yeah, and no just idea. like no idea what's going on that sounds like a utopia to me yeah well then they'll learn when they're older and then they'll meet then they met my dad and they had to explain ah, <laughs> and your friend it looks wrong you're a fucking guy dude you're a fucking queer oh so but here's the interesting now we go all the way back this is like a are you a good this, story this guy this is like a, a uh this is like a great Russian novel where these little threads keep coming up later, yes, in, later yes. in the book. So this year, um, homophobia went was taken off the plate of of potential uh, joke fodder, as was the word retard. Retard is also uh, the yes. word retard is now the R word. They're is trying. It? Yes, it's. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble on Twitter uh, for saying it because from. Do you remember the t- tweet? I don't. Well, I do a bit in my act about. Um, a, a, a ginormous piece where um, my brother and I used to make fun of a mentally handicapped kid in our school and my mother would say, God forbid that ever happens to you. And then I analyze what a dumb right. way. And then I one day I wake up retarded right. is how it uh-huh, goes. Uh-huh. And it's hilarious. 
Uh, did you really, try it with other words? Really? No, I never did. I just went. But I, it's it's but, a hard word. It's a good comedy word. I'm right. not in defense of the right. meaning of the word, but it is a good retarded. Yeah, it's just a nice word. It just it flows well. Yeah, there's something about it. Mentally right. handicapped. And it, and and it's and it's being left. But I I don't believe in equating it with the n word and the c word because the n word and the c word are only that. The c word is on the chopping block too. Well, the c yeah. Well, you know, it's not polite. You can't. It's a it's a word that is a. A harsh word. Yeah, oh, certainly. Uh, Nobody's right. here to say it's not harsh. Right, and and but retarded actually has meaning. Uh, it's right, a, another meaning. It's in the dictionary. It's an accepted word, and you can't just anoint something as vile randomly. Right. Um, but you. The point is, if if uh, if the R word is joined to homophobia, it's, it makes doing any Boston accent impossible uh, because when you're in Boston, you're one of two things: a queer or a retard. <laughs> And it has nothing to do with homosexuality right, 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 or right. mentally handicapped. It's right, just, right. it's like asshole and douchebag. It's just, they're just interchangeable. Right, right, right. Look at that fucking retard. Look at that queer. That queer is such a fucking retard. He's on yeah, a date yeah, with a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a guy on a date with a girl. Or is a queer retard. We don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, you can't. Yeah. I was walking down the street on a date. That's queer. Going to a movie. Retard. And these two guys drive by and just say, hey, queer. Just <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. What I just did to you, I said yeah. you were... Ah. Just like, you know, welcome to Boston. Hey, queer. Right. A homo is a big one for me. If yeah. I, I want to get into a Boston accent, I say, these two fucking homos. Two fucking homos. And it, it almost never means... Yeah. I'm not even going to offend it. It's hard to talk about this because I know, I know people don't even like the discussion of the yeah. topic. But you can't... But but it's a, it's a valid topic because when we grew up, it was not only accepted it yeah. was just the lingua franca of where you were raised right and then as you were older you get this no yeah not cool yeah you know in the in the 60s you know jewish americans were the other you know in right. polite right. society yeah you know it's like they were always and then it took a generation for that no that no they're not right but that generation said blacks are but jews aren't Right, and then it goes another generation. Yeah, you know, it's, we're it's, passing it on. Yeah, and then it was well, blacks are but gays aren't. I was. Mm-hmm. I'm always in the Conan O'Brien movie when the kid says "Jude me out" of something. Did you, did you see Conan O'Brien? Can't I stop? did, and you know my uh, my it's... brother still says that. My brother is really? a state police official with a gun, a badge. He can detain you. <laughs> 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 and uh, he says that all the time. Really? He said, um, "I really shouldn't say this, but I don't think he's going to hear this. Probably not." Um. Uh. No, I don't know if I can say this. Uh, well, one thing he said, he said the funniest thing to me I've ever heard after a show, which was, uh, I don't mean to compliment you, but that was pretty funny. Oh, my God. And then. Brothers, man. I used to do. This is a cop. Okay. This guy's, a, a, cop, this guy's a cop. He's a cop. Boston cop. I'm so not a need, cop. All you need to know, Boston cop. Yeah. So I used to do this bit. This is how old this bit is. Mm. Uh, I, uh, that I couldn't understand how a woman could be in love with you on Tuesday and not on Friday. This is my first girlfriend that I lived with moved out. And mm-hmm. it really. I, I didn't handle it. I wasn't cool mm-hmm. about it at mm-hmm. all. Um, I, I wasn't. I but I was young. I you know I meet people I met before I was thirty, and I'm just like I'm sorry. I'm sorry you knew me then. Ah! Were you before a mess? I was, co- I was a train wreck. I was a horrible, just an idiot. Really? Just not. No, I mean Is I was a bad, bad person. I, but I was just had no social skills. I was I was uh-huh. needy. I was uh-huh. I was very. There's a lot of work to be done. When I was comic, very what, eager. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Mm-hmm. How about me? Mm-hmm. When I was 22, I thought I had it all figured out. Sure. I know that's a cliche, but what you don't realize about cliches is they're real. Like, like I was, yeah, they're real for. Yeah. I really did think the first time I smoked, one of the first times I ever smoked marijuana. Uh, You're under arrest. What's that? You're under arrest. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're your brother? Yeah. Are you going to Jew me out of a sentence or something? Oh, yeah. Remind, uh, me to tell you what, remind me to tell you what my brother did. Off mic? No, I'll tell you. So I did, well, I did this bit, and it was yeah. like, I don't understand how a woman could love you on Tuesday, not on Friday. And then in the bit, she would explain it to me, and the more she would explain it to me, I would begin to devolve mm-hmm. to like a caveman, <laughs> to, a girl, to an ape. And she was just like, I did. I loved you, and then I, uh, things have changed, and I really think I want to I want to move out. I want to live on my own. <clears throat> you know, it was just yeah. a very physical yeah. bit. Subtle as a, subtle as a jackhammer. <laughs> and my brother goes, I can't believe you did that fucking gorilla thing. Why? What are you talking about? There's a fucking table full of black people right in front of you. He thought you meant... <laughs> no, he just thought you can't reference apes around black people. Is that for real? That's for real. And it was like a like my jaw dropped. I was like, well, they they don't think of themselves that way. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's a cop and a can co- detain of you. Of course he's a cop. Of course he's a cop. Of course he's a cop. Oh, Jesus, Boston. I yeah, love it. But it's so troubled. It's to so troubled. Well, it's, that's, it's like in, in, in uh, you know, people think because we were on the right side of the Civil War that we're really enlightened to be yeah. Boston is the most racist city yeah. in the country. Yeah. I know they're I a know. lot cooler about about uh, uh, the races in Atlanta than they are Is in that Boston. Right? Yeah, yeah. I always I tried to do a bit about it, but it was a little too close to the home for me. I, I always said like people in my family aren't racist; they're old school. Uh-huh. That's what people say. Yeah, they're like uh, you know that neighborhoods. All you see are Indian people in that neighborhood. Yeah. He's not racist. That's old school. Mm-hmm. He just remembers when it was all white. I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure that's racist. Yeah, that racist? I mean, like it, that's that's cliche racism. Yeah. But it's good. I mean, people and, and a lot of that is just people are afraid that whites will no longer be the dominant culture. Yeah, uh, and and but it's just, yeah. Well, welcome to every system on earth. You it, mean it changes? It evolves. Nothing is static. Everything. That's why. I, that's why whites have had a good run. That's why conservatism is kind of like antithetical to human nature, because the whole point of conservatism is, as William F. Buckley said, we stand athwart progress and say halt. Well, I have bad news for you. Progress is the only inevitability. Ooh. So you know Ooh. you're not going to succeed. Oh, whoop whoop whoop. That's why you're on the wrong side of every social issue. Now say Mo is their leader. <laughs> Mo is their leader. <laughs> That was a great That's joke. season four. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say that was long before Mo me. Mo is their leader. I had a ripoff oh, of that joke in the episode. You weren't there? Oh, not on season four, but I had a ripoff of that uh-huh. episode where they were at the drive-in watching a, a, an American Pie-like movie. Yes. And a guy drank a keg full of, of uh, sewage or something. Uh-huh. And Homer just went, <laughs> in real life, he would have died. <laughs> That's not a ripoff. <laughs> it's kind of the same It's actually joke. an interesting topic because I was wa- re-watching The Simpsons, re-watching season four. Just kind of, it hit me. I was like, yeah, I, I think Last Exit to Springfield is maybe my favorite exit. What is that? It's the monorail episode. Monorail. Written I thought, by Conan. I believe that's called Marge versus the monorail. Oh, what is oh, last exit? Maybe the writer's draft was called no, last exit. No, I don't know. You're on a computer. Find find out. Last exit. Please, if you might. I just watched that one. That also has a lot of exploding things. That's why I thought you I think were it's right called, about Conan. I, I think it's last exit to Springfield. I would bet you a $50 bill. I have one. At least on the DVD, it's called March versus. No, Tomorrow. then you're right. I'm wrong. I don't. I don't. No, do don't you do that. You you know. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Now I, really I kind of want you to be right, Katie. Uh, the last exit to Springfield. The plot revolves around Homer becoming president of Springfield Nuclear Power Plant Union and leading the workers of the plant. Oh yeah. Right, that's the Dental one. Dental plan. Right. And that's the one that, with old Chomper in it. And that's also the one. The reason I remembered that exit is. Uh, where uh, they're starting to negotiate the union contract, and Homer thinks Mr. Burns is coming on to him. Yes! And he goes, I'm not saying I'm a little flattered. 
and maybe kind of curious. <laughs> Isn't that the same episode? And that's the one where he has to go pee really bad. And, yeah, and, yeah, and you have to goes, be a real whiz. Yeah. yeah, and then he comes back and goes, did you find the bathroom all right? And he goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, like I love we've talked about this that you were too deep into the simpsons and now you're gone you were out of it long enough that yeah. now you can enjoy i can it enjoy again. it but i couldn't enjoy yeah it was yes. the last thing in the world i would want to watch you're right but yeah. now you could enjoy it yeah i do and i do yeah and you love the monorail episode i love the monorail great episode if they're slow burning the, back the then. tab came off my soda can here use my pen knife my, my good man. man monorail yes uh with leonard just, nimoy in it I, yes that's me and Kumail. We're just laughing about that where he goes like, the delicate balance of ballet <laughs> goes on. And then someone goes, anyone want to switch seats? Like, the guy doesn't. They're shitting on Leonard Nimoy kind of the whole time. He's like, well, my work here is done. John Bon Jovi wanted to be on the show when we wrote him into a script and we sent him the script and they sent it back with it. He said it sounds like you're making fun of him. <laughs> like, has it, Would you ask John Bon Jovi if he's seen the show? <laughs> I was backstage at the concert for Obama at the Lincoln Memorial the day before he was inaugurated. Whoa. And um, In walks John Bon. John Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen sitting there talking to each other. Is that real? Both of them looking like two. I'm about five feet from them. Both of them look like two old ladies with their fucking hennas growing out and their roots. They got their roots. Their roots are whiter than fucking uh, Johnny Winters. <laughs> Uh, yeah, both of them like both of them with a lot of makeup and their roots coming in. Oh just, like, no! Looks like you're two of your aunts talking out back <gasps> of a funeral. Oh, oh no! Yeah, Bruce Springsteen's rider is like three inches thick. No left close-ups. Uh, Only yeah, it's all really. They know how to control. They control their image very tightly. Oh my shit! No yeah. left close-ups. Just sort of weird shit like that. Yeah, like, I love it. They know what they're doing. That's great. You were you. We. I told you that one of my favorite all-time Simpsons lines is Elvis Costello. It's rock and roll. Camp. My image. My image. Yeah, I was in the room when he recorded it. Yeah. That's right. You told me he was, was there. I had, yeah. And he, you have to get it a little bit. You have to. Under, we are making. fun Oh, of he you. gets it completely. We're Elvis. making fun of you, Elvis Costello. You he, have an image. You can't make fun of him before he does. He, really? He's so savvy. Really? He's, oh, he's just. He's yeah. He walks. He would say something. He walks on water. Really? I, well, as when as he's, as in room, he's in a room, he's in a room. He's in a room. He's in a room. But he, but he w- works very hard to deflate it. He doesn't uh, want to be that guy. Yep. Certainly was for me. Couldn't be nicer and so. Painfully smart and painfully self-aware. And really, put you at ease and and um, <laughs> my image. Yeah, and like it was just a little. I, like we were there, we were recording all day, and and I, I always it's just the, the the nicest thing. We're talking, and the, it was good because he I he kind of met me on my turf because I'm such a giant fan. Yes, and we were talking. It was done. I was like, all right, now I, I have to ask you. I have to ask you one uh, nerd question about your stuff, and he was like, and he was like, oh, great, and. When I asked him that, he put his hand on my back. No. So it wasn't like, all right, and then he like folded his arms like, do it. Uh, he was like, all right, what do you want to talk about? Just open. This is your moment. You can have it. Take yes. it. Ask him. Told a great story about the song. Da, 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 da. What did you ask oh, him? I, I asked him what the song, uh, there's a song on uh, Brutal Youth called uh, um, something. Uh, it's the last song on the side. It's something hour. You can edit. Um, the you want me to edit this out? I kind of uh, like these no, moments. <laughs> the, not the wasted hour. I like the. Uh, there's a tragic waste of brutal youth. Spit and polish. Favorite hour. Favorite hour. Favorite hour. And I asked him the origin of the song. 
Um, because to, why were you curious? Yeah, because to me it always because it meant something very specific to me. Interesting. Yeah, to me it was always about Bill Hicks, which I knew he wasn't writing about Bill Hicks. But um, what what made you think it was about Bill Hicks? Well, to me it was. It's not about Bill Hicks. But, oh, I understand. Uh, you know, knowing uh, I, I, we weren't friends, but I knew him. And, yeah. Uh, and um, and there's a line of uh, there's a tragic waste of brutal youth, which I think summed up Bill really well. Oh, uh, that's great. Um, and and he said it was about an execution that he had read about in the paper. <laughs> and I told him that I had read it at a thing for Bill, and uh, and he was very touched by that. And it was just a nice little moment. It was a nice little moment. But he he let me. I uh, I'm forever indebted to him that he let me have it, and uh. it was very. Very indulgent. George it's a, it's Carlin a, it's a, was also like that. He would always give you his. He would give anybody their dignity. Oh fucking yeah. hell, man! I yeah. love to hear that. Yeah, he was the he was. Um, people would come up to him, uh, and he would always again like eye contact, body contact. How are you? Oh, fucking lovely hell. to see you. I'd never. Um, uh, and these are all five. These is I saw this mm-hmm, in action. Mm-hmm. You know who else? And that becomes the story. That Elvis well, Costello touching your back in that yeah, moment that, yeah. is the story. Yeah, yeah. That's grace. That yep. happened. You know who else was hmm. impeccable in those in that way? Tell me. Charlton Heston. Charlton. Charlton Heston could not have been a more gentlemanly. Really? Yeah. Uh, I met him. I did Politically Incorrect with mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. the Bill Maher show. Mm-hmm. We disagreed on everything. Mm-hmm. Heated discussions. <laughs> commercial like he said one thing i'll never forget this i had recently been held up and he said one thing about like um handguns was this about gun control yeah yeah yeah, and i said something i forget what i said but it had a rhythm it didn't mean anything but the rhythm was like well big laugh we'll be right back and it looked like i shut him right like i won right right right. the the joke music right and uh (laughs) and so we got to commercial and he leans forward and touches my arm and i and i'm thinking he's gonna Say, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like he's going to be an asshole. Yeah. And then he's forward and he just goes, so you're an actor. Things are they're going well. You're you're here, obviously. That's good. Oh. And and I talked to him. Same thing. Commercial. Right back in the topic. End of commercial. Another interesting thing that you can do. Always do this. Just so kind of like this. telling you just, stuff. You're an actor. I'm an actor. Let me give you some advice. Really? And, but not obnoxious advice. It was all stuff like, you know, remember, if you have a, uh, if you have a terrible year... Uh, always use the Cobra plan in SAG. I started that when I was the president, and uh, it's it's very good for so insurance. Yeah, and he was just like, it was it was never stuff like here's how to act. It was all just practical, practical stuff. Yeah, and just it's it's a lesson, man. Like yeah. we can we don't you don't have to be a famous person to open your body up to somebody yeah. uh, to look them in the eye and touch them. Uh, not to name drop, but I, I maybe you've even said this before. John Hamm is just one of those guys. Yes, John's great. When I was talking to him. He was only talking to me. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. I know yeah. I sound like a, a swooning woman fan or a lady fan. <laughs> and John, but John does but not I kind perceive, of am. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, well, John does not perceive himself as famous, I don't think. I think John is a very grounded guy. Yeah. yeah. We, we did the bowling thing for Nerdist, and I kept calling him right. an, an American treasure, <laughs> which I, I, thought was very, I thought was very funny. It's like I'm bowling against an American treasure. And I was like, let's go next door to Madame Tussauds, and you can just stand really still. <laughs> And we'll see what happens. I actually really wanted to do that. But he was one of those guys. He didn't know me from Adam, and we're talking. And people, no, he's just a regular guy. People John's kept coming up to him and were kind of like, 
hey, that's like hanging out with Marilyn Monroe. You know, it's like yeah, there's people just like they just turn to goo around him. Yeah, you know? they turn into goo. But he, yeah. when we were talking, we were talking about Boston. We we're talking mm-hmm. about shooting the town. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we, we had would, some conversations about that. I, I love it. And we were doing Boston accents. Yeah, and people would be like, "Hey, John," like someone he knows, and he's like, "One second, I'm just I'm talking to this fucking guy, me." Yeah, just this guy. Yeah, yeah. Didn't nice. didn't know anything about. I he's love that stuff. Here's the here's a great end of the Charlton Heston story. Yes, please. So I, after the show, I am talking to him, and I go, I tell him how much I love Planet of the Apes, how much it means to me, and I go, "This is a little dorky, but this was actually my Christmas card two years ago, and it was a picture of me." With my head over a gorilla holding him on a leash. Ha. And I said, would you, would you, and he called his wife over. He's like, Lydia, look. Look, this is his Christmas card. He made it with no. scissors in a paste pot. No. <laughs> and I said, would you, would you mind signing it? And he signed it. It was very sweet. And then, <laughs> and then he walked away and he, and I have a witness to this. Uh, he stopped, he walked back and he took me by the shoulders and he towered over me. He's a big, he's larger guy. than life, man. Yes, yes. And he goes, this might be dorky, too, but I'd be glad to send you a picture from the film if you'd like. What? I said, I would, that would be great. He goes, give me your address. I wrote it down. He put it in his pocket. And four days later, in the mail, 8 by 10 envelope, color picture inside, to Dana. Thanks. Charlton Heston. Shut up. It's on a frame in my wall. On a, what a is frame the photo? His headshot? It's just, no, a scene from the movie. A, a, a color still of him in the movie mm. that he signed and sent to me. Ah. I know it makes you want to. It makes you want to cry. It does. And his son, his son. It's people doing things they don't have to do yeah. and doing them anyway. It's yeah. it's it's the tale as old as time. It's, yes. it's Jesus dying for us. Right. I, I know that's a huge overstatement, but people yes. love sto- <laughs> <laughs> But people love stories about people yeah, high to- high status people. Okay, it's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Yeah, it's, it's everything. You have to do that. It's, yeah. it's all these stories. It's any any. You know what you don't want. You know who you don't want to be. Commercial, the guy throws his right. jersey to the kid. We want we want that. It, it, the foundation of morality and goodness is people who don't have to help someone right. helping them. And the rude people are people that aren't that big because they haven't yes. figured. It. I was on a flight once and I was up in first and I asked the the stewardess if you wanted to sit and coach with Jerry Stiller. I, yeah, I and was, you said no. St- leave old man back there. Jerry Stiller came back to sit with me. I went to the bathroom and they said he traded seats with me. <laughs> that would be the greatest story. Uh, but um, so I said to the flight attendant I said uh, have you ever had any big famous people up here that were assholes and mm-hmm. I thought she was going to say like oh, I'm not allowed to say she of went, course she's she went, allowed Megan Fox ah, <laughs> like, really yeah, she almost stepped on my chest oh my god Megan Fox is a horrible person people love there are a lot of notorious horrible uh, I guess I don't want to shit on them but they're yeah. they're, they're bad they're mean people everyone uh, says, I know some everyone says Ellen is very mean Ellen is generous I'm very surprised by that I'd, I've not experienced that but I've known her too long you know her Oh yeah, no, I here we, I've known I, oh, her since the eighties. I've stepped in it myself. No, right that's here. fine. No, that, no, I, that's, I know. You know what are. it is? It's it's a difficult topic for me because I look at these people. I here these are not people that I hear are bad people. But like John, Stewart. I dated Ellen. <laughs> then you know I'm lying. I dated Ellen. <laughs> right after, right after I dated Rosie O'Donnell, I dated Ellen for five years. You, you, you're turning them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convincing them that they've made the right choice. Yeah. Uh, when you look at your uh, Letterman's, when you look at your John Stewart's, mm-hmm. and when you look at your Ellen DeGeneres's, right, and, and only one of those people I've heard is is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of like they're juggling a lot of different things. I, I it actually makes yeah. me feel bad. It's for hard them. to be the fo- well. They are the focus. The every day they are the focus. It's their name, and it's eighty people are dedicated to their happiness every day. Yep, constantly. So, what do you want? 
Right. So I, I so how do you not go insane? And how do you not get accustomed to that? Talking about your friend Ben Stiller, for example. Yeah. I, once you get to that level, it's so weird, actually. I was just today thinking about Ben Stiller for no reason. I hadn't yet researched you, and I didn't know that you right. wrote on that show. And I was thinking about Ben Stiller, and I was like, I have to imagine once you have a staff of people who are ma- dressing you, <laughs> yeah. who are feeding you, yeah. driving you, all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying he doesn't do that stuff from time to time. Yeah. It's going to be hard to have a John Hamm eye contact moment. Well, I think what you – I don't know because I've only known – I mean, we're, I mean, he lives in He's Oregon. Your, you know, yeah. I see him once a year or something. But, right. Um, well, Dana. Still trying. But, but I, I, no, he, so I can say for him I – can, I can say for him. Yeah. He knows that he's a guy and he also knows that he's a product. Yes. You know, and, and he has a nice, very healthy separation of oh, does he? business in his life. <laughs> yeah. Think and it's also it, – it's, I'm not a new person to him, so I don't know that. Understand. I don't have to deal. Well, with then that. that's the other. Uh, maybe it's a cliche it's of celebrity. Reason, yeah. If 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 I tried to become friends with John Hamm, uh, which I let's do, do it right now. I do. Let's daily. go to his house. <laughs> I I would love to. Uh, but no, the idea he'd, he'd be fully aware that like uh, you know John Hamm post Mad Men pre Mad Men John Hamm friends are going to be uh, gold mm-hmm. and right. the rest are going to be silver. That's the Elvis. But but what you don't want to do is the Eddie Murphy traveling with thirty five people that you went to high school with. Yeah. You don't you don't lose touch with that. I think it's all you know. Paul Newman refused to act like a celebrity. Paul Newman famously would walk around. He would go to the hardware store. He really? Would, yeah, and he just and he was very famous for like not giving. He was nice, but he wouldn't. He doled it out. Like a famous story is a woman asked him to take off his sunglasses so she could see his eyes, and he said, "No, yeah, I'm wearing my sunglasses." Right. Wasn't rude about it. It, but was, it was boundaries. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he had like, a healthy boundary. I'm going to go to the hardware store. But you can look at that as what a dick, or you can look at that as oh, he had a f- healthy understanding of I'm just a guy. I'm yeah, just no, some that's guy. what it was. He was not. Yeah, he was like, I'm, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm. The trade off is I'm going to go to the hardware store. I'm right. not going to send somebody to the hardware store for me. Right. But to do that, I'm going to have to take care of myself and not right. let myself get exhausted. It's with a request. tricky thing. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. People, uh, I think some people are very eager to jump. I sometimes I wonder about that for myself. People are funnier too. Comedians are funnier when they're in the world. You know what I mean? If you get mm-hmm. too big and you are Eddie Murphy living uh, in in your castle or whatever, and you lose that touch, you're not going to the hardware store, which I completely understand. Yeah, I think it'd probably be funnier to be a Paul Newman. I had a weird because we're not famous, but we have notoriety among comedy fans. Yeah. Um, somebody said to me recently, do you ever think about this? A guy, I met a guy at a thing and he goes, you know, I was on a flight with you coming back from Vegas mm-hmm. and I was going to say something to you, but you looked really tired. So I just let yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, if I was in Vegas, I probably was really tired. Yes. Uh, but it is funny. It's like, do you realize that people say like, he doesn't look funny today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a great Chris Rock thing where he says Chris, uh, comedians are the only people that do panel that go on Letterman, and they're expected to be funny. Yeah, Actors yeah. don't go and do panel, you know, the couch interview. Right. They're not expected to be dramatic. They're expected to be charming and relatively entertaining, right. but they don't have to be hilarious. Yeah, they're comedians are supposed to go on and, like, do bits and right. deliver. Uh, it's interesting. In my own life, actually here, uh, here at Meltdown, and this is kind of like a home for me, I'll come in and I'll see staff members, and if I don't give them the biggest, brightest backflip right. hello right i get like are you okay i get that yeah. a lot all right i get that a lot yeah. and i'm like i'm just yeah i'm doing great it's yeah. just hard to it's hard to be that way all the time 
Although, were you? How did that make you feel that somebody said that to you? It made me feel weird that people were looking at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But is there a part of you that likes that? This has come up. This is going to keep coming up. Actually, yeah, of course. David Letterman, of course. I did. David Keckner uh, was with the last episode, and we were talking about how David Letterman. You know, I'm friends with him. You are, David Keckner. Uh, okay, good. I know you're on a poster together. <laughs> yeah. You're right down there. That was not photoshopped. We were actually standing uh, next to each other. Weird. Spooky. 80s. 80s. Uh, well, Kegner uh, did the last episode, so it's nice that here you are. Uh, and we were talking about, of all people, David Letterman talked about how he liked fame. He likes fame mm-hmm. because it makes the world how it ought to be. He goes out, which he doesn't often, I don't think. No. But if he does go out, people see him. They're happy to see him. Uh-huh. They smile. They say something nice. He's happy to see them. He smiles. He says something nice. You go on with your day. Right. Of all the people you'd think he'd hate fame, he said it made the world how it ought to be. Oh, that's interesting. And there's a weird element of that. I, I find myself enjoying that as well. Sure. You, yeah. You, there's, look, I love – who doesn't like me? Who – People like to be known. Yeah, they like to get recognized. You go out, you're on stage. There's a reason that you're on stage. Yes. It's all about There's a reason you're not the New Yorker cartoonist. Right. You want want people to know who you are. You want people to be nice to you. I guess there might be some sort of dysfunction underneath there. Like, why do you want to be known? I I trace it back to uh, a mix of not enough attention and too much attention. Yeah, yeah. And and approval. And and approval. I mean, you, you start to... And and I think there's a, a validation that you know you yes. feel your self worth is bolstered by strangers. Yes, agreeing with but you. But it's true. It, it's fucking true. If I say no I, reason I, to swear, but go on. <laughs> I said on this show once. I, Dave Holmes was on the show, and I talked about how I don't understand how people are freaked out by homosexuality. And I said I give a man a hand job most days, right? Meaning me. Meaning I masturbate. <laughs> okay. And then I, I didn't get that either. I, uh, I, no, it works. I, but that's the point. I said it. And that is like, homosexuality. <laughs> uh, I was like, that is a weird thing to say. And it made me kind of worried that people would take that. I don't know what I thought. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it kept me up at night. It literally did. One uh-huh. night I woke up and I was like, oh, I said something too weird on the show. And the only remedy was to keep saying it. On stage. I had to keep... <laughs> I, I couldn't lock it up. Take the power away from it? If I'm worried about something, and if it's something I'm not... To take the power away from it. Yeah. Precisely put. Yes. Also, if it's not a bit, if there's something I'm worried about, uh, I have six groups of friends that are going to hear about it. It's cathartic. It almost feels primal to be like, I have this thing I'm worried about, and now it's almost superstitious. I'll give it to you. You take a little bit. You, you tell me it's okay. I'll give it to this person. They'll give it to this person, and then it dissipates. It right. It goes away. It's weird. I want to share the human experience. That's what yeah. makes me an entertainer, but that's also just how I'm wired. Right. I, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Get it out. Yeah. And, and it's not, there's not a lot of, um, you don't want to keep things to yourself. Yes. Because usually the same reason you would want to keep it to yourself is a great reason to talk about it. Ah. God, you're fucking poignant, man. See, get it? You're poignant. See? Uh, remember when... I've killed six hookers. See? Ah, I bet it would feel great to let that out. You want to turn <laughs> the mics off for a second? <laughs> remember when Skinner, uh, they say they have the uh, the auditions for Radioactive Dude, and then Nelson goes it, to the intercom, he goes, it's Radioactive Man, you idiot. And then Skinner through the intercom goes, funny, I shouldn't have been able to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was my goal to just randomly pepper Simpson things on you. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite was throughout uh, in, 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 in an episode that Tim Long wrote. Yes, but that I named. Oh, uh, Skinner's sense of snow. Okay, very uh, nice. A, a, a jape at the timeless film Smila's sense of snow. <laughs> um, at the end, the uh, he's 
Principal Skinner is tied up in a volleyball sack, and he has a gerbil named <laughs> has a gerbil named Nibbles. And he says, "Nibbles, quick, chew through my ball sack." <laughs> I remember that. And Nibbles does a take to the camera. Yes, was the source of a heated discussion. The take, whether or not Nibbles should do a take to camera. Yes, he did do that take. It seems like the kind of show that they do the take. Yeah. You do the take. Some people in power didn't like the take. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad the take made it. Yeah. <laughs> also in the Radioactive Man episode, Ralph, one of the best Ralph quotes of all time, I would say, goes in and goes, uh, they, they hate him for Radioact- uh, yeah. for Fallout Boy. And then uh, she go- he goes, what's for lunch tomorrow? Because it's uh, the lunch lady. Yeah. What's, a lun- what's for lunch tomorrow? And she goes, next. And he goes, <laughs> chicken next? <laughs> He thinks they're having chicken. Oh, that's nuts. hilarious! What? How would that be served? Like calamari? It fucking kills George me. George Meyer wrote uh, my, one of my favorite Ralph lines, which was, "My cat's breath smells like cat food." Fucking brilliant! Yeah, sleep. That's where I'm a pirate. <laughs> Here's what's weird about The Simpsons. I, I wrote the one where he goes into the private room in the comic book store. Yes, the only room, and he just says, "Everybody's hugging." <laughs> 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 yes, Ralph, wait, wait. Ralph was a challenging character though because every line had to be like a Zen Cohen. Like you yeah. could just write lines for Ralph. You had to, had to really crank hugging. it up. You had to really, Fucking you had to really deliver great. when Ralph was talking. There was another one where they're watching pornography and everyone goes. I'm sure I wrote it. <laughs> they all go gross, and then Martin goes, yet strangely alluring. <laughs> Not strangely alluring. <laughs> it might not be alluring. Don't don't email me. That's probably right. <clears throat> I, uh, I I love the show and w- watching it again. Uh, I'm sure you've done many lofty Simpsons interviews, but it's weird. Here I'm not telling really. You, <laughs> is that true? Yeah, not, not really. really. Well, the thing that I want to get lofty about is that it it informed just as much as anything. I think for my generation, a gen- yeah, it definitely informed the comic sensibility of a generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, it brought. I was watching it and I was like, it reminded me. You know, I do the E Trade commercial. Yes. And those are also pieces of like, I'm not saying they're like The Simpsons, but they're, it's a piece of pop culture. Sure. And I was remember they did some joke, and I was like, oh my God, that's like an E-Trade joke we almost did. And I had this like flashback of trying to think of a punchline. And when we, you want to talk about the music of jokes, when we had one that sounded kind of like a Simpsons joke, I'm not saying it was ripping off. No, I know, I know what you're saying. It just felt like a joke that people who were raised on The Simpsons would go, that's a joke. Right. So it's informing that. It's informing our stand-up. No, I, yeah, and I remember the first joke that I got into a show that to me felt like a, a joke worthy of being in the show. What was it? Um, I really was like, I, I was like, okay, okay. I can yeah. maybe do this job without getting fired. Yeah. Um, it was in the first episode I wrote, and it was this is really inside baseball. Yeah, we love it. Um, uh, the first episode I wrote was called um, Homer the Mo, where uh, Homer takes over Moe's for uh, while Mo goes back to bartender school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, at the beginning <laughs> of the show, Bart is digging a hole in the backyard for no reason. And uh, we realize that he's being watched by uh, a Chinese spy satellite. <laughs> and the, w- they're watching Bart on the camera, and they go, it's good about Americans. What are they up to now? And this giant Chinese guy comes in and goes, let me stop him. I am the great humongous. <laughs> Which is a line from The Road Warrior. And the guy goes, we know you're the great humongous. <laughs> and then he goes, well, I'm just saying. And the guy goes, you're always just saying. <laughs> Which I thought was like 
Which I thought was like, yeah, that's a Simpsons joke. I'm trying. You're reminding me that that sort of hyper consciousness of their like, let's let these characters. They exist. They're yeah, in this yeah, world. Be, yeah. They know yeah. they're talking in a way that's like kind of jokey. I'm trying to remember. Uh, there was a Lionel Hutz that was just so funny. That was just like that. It was something like it, the cadence of the joke was similar, and it was like it was like, why did you do that? It, it told me to, and he just goes, "Nobody told you to." Like this sort of like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even have the ingredients right, yeah. but you can see the pan. The brownest of the brown ales. Oh, he has to call his sponsor. Yeah, care to join me in a belt of scotch? <laughs> Last scotch. chance, and then he the brownest like, of the brown liquors. That's what it was. <laughs> Chef Lonely Heart Soup for One is also a great. That's oh, Mar- yeah. Marge, Marge when Chef she's. Lonely Heart Soup for one. Is it Marge? No, it's uh, Krabappel. Right. Is it cooking Chef Lonely Heart? Soup. Soup for one. That's brutal. Why, why say how many people it's for, <laughs> Chef Lonely Heart? Why would you do that? Of course, the goggles do nothing. These are big hits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just like putting a quarter in the Dana Gold jukebox <laughs> and see what you come back with. Uh, yeah, but I I mean, it's it's uh, it, it, it's it, it, the the. The density of the show is is uh, part of its appeal, and, yeah. and and people always the only thing people ask me about it is is it true you guys hate Family Guy? <laughs> is it true you guys hate, hate family? family Guy? Well, you know it's funny that you say that because every no. conversation I've had with you, this podcast is often me trying to recreate conversations uh-huh. I've had. As you probably noticed, you're like Pete, you've run these lines by me. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I do a podcast. Then, I know how this works. Yeah, sure. Then in the I have a podcast. So people know I have Please. a podcast called The Nerdist. <laughs> Called Walking the Nerdist. Ah, that's great. That's great. I would go. What is it really called? It's called the Dana Gould Hour. There you go. I've only heard wonderful things. Thank you. I really have. It's nice. It, it's it's it's. Uh, I do it once every uh, about two weeks because, because you work at it. Uh, it's very post production heavy. I it's love a that. little bobble. Yes. It's a. Polished little bobble. Let's get to the bobble with one Family Guy thing is that every yeah. conversation you and I have had starting talking about Simpsons, then we talk about Family Guy. Yeah. At the end, we talk about our favorite Family Guy jokes. I just... Yeah. Uh, jokes are jokes. I like funny jokes shit. Are jokes are jokes. I like jokes funny shit. Who cares? Who yeah, cares? I'm the same way. Who Jerry cares? Seinfeld said an interesting thing was he goes, you know, I was like, people can enjoy different kinds of things. Uh, you know, I can enjoy opera and I can enjoy the Three Stooges. It, yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, people yeah, enjoy yeah. lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love it. My favorite. My favorite. Of course, my analogy was like I enjoy regular porn and snuff films. Oh, I shit. can do both. <laughs> <laughs> snuff is a myth. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, let definitely. Let's Although I know that there's stuff on YouTube that they had to. We I had this weird thing where I was at a uh, we. Went to Montana mm-hmm. to a horse ranch mm-hmm. with our chillins mm-hmm. for a week mm-hmm. in the summer, which is great because I hate riding horses. <laughs> it is like being dragged through the woods on a motorcycle that hates you. <laughs> with, no, a, with its own free will. Yeah, with its own free will. And a desire for oats. A desire for oats. Not concerned that you get freaked out when it goes fast. Nope. Does he doesn't not care. care. I can't. It's hard to put into words how uncomfortable I am on a horse. Something the horse detects. Yes. Um, it can sense it coming it off of you. It can sense it, and it's not good. And my my daughter is like, 
you know, her horse is going backwards down a mountain. It's ah. having a miscarriage. And she's <laughs> slapping its head. Get down there. Get down there. It's t- you know. Your mode of transportation yeah. is having a miscarriage. Yeah, it's, and she's fine, and I'm, and I'm not good on the horse. Yep. And, uh, but we went, and we're you know, meeting with these other people, and we're talking to this guy and his wife, and they're really nice, and they're friends of friends. And then we find out that this guy invented this thing called YouTube. What? <laughs> yeah, he's the, one of the co-founders of YouTube. The guy who owns his ranch? No, just this guy that was visiting the ranch. Oh, visiting. Happened the, to be oh, hanging Jesus. out with. Oh, my God. He's just a guy. It looked like you with a beard. You know, really? Just like a groovy guy that has like a trillion dollars. Oh, my God. But he was saying that when it first came out, like they had to start monitoring stuff. And it was all the stuff that came in from Russia. It was all these like jailhouse executions and stuff. And really? And he started posting and he was like, delete, delete, I remember delete, delete, in, delete. in the early days of YouTube, you'd go to the recently posted page. Yeah. And that's where you'd find the pornography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. hardcore It is amazing that they keep it off. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that they'll find an old reel of mine and remove it because there's two seconds of a Rolling Stones song. You know what I mean? Oh, who, yeah, yeah, who yeah. Is yeah. I don't know. That? Who is defending Viacom that I use some clip from VH1 and they're like, know. beat it. Get out of here. That's amazing. It it's is amazing. amazing, yeah, how quickly they get on that. I want to bring it into uh, the last two topics. Can, can I urinate? I've never Oh, my urinated. God. That's what I was wanting to do, Let's too. do it. All right. Leave the mics going. Never piss during the show. Can we go to the bathroom, though? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about our peas. Somebody did something really terrible in that bathroom. Really? Gross. Bathrooms are the hot chick at the counter. There's a hot chick at the counter. Sure. Hot nerd chick at the counter. Where are they? When I, where are the hot comic book geeks when I was single? I don't know. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why gross. Because I'm funny. so old. No, it's, having physical feelings. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not. I am a, I am a man, Peter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, that I, well, I have yearning for, for you, urinating was the best. For 16 years. Did you find the bathroom okay? I did. Uh, you have it. Well, that's perfect because I always like to talk to people about their spouses. And you're married yes. to the president of HBO. <laughs> yeah, the president of uh, what is going entertainment. I, uh, she has a title. She is. What she's is not it? the boss. <clears throat> she has a boss. She, boss oh, she has a boss. Okay, yeah. she's the third boss. Yeah, there's like, uh, yeah. In the video game, you fight her in the seventh level. Of, yeah, of she's ten. not. Yeah, she reports to a dude, and then he reports to another dude at Time Warner. Okay, but that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty high up there. Yeah. How did you meet such a such a woman? When I met her, uh, she was just uh, uh, just started as an agent. She and didn't I was, even have HBO I was king when I met her. Of, when I met her, I was king shit of Turd Mountain. I was a hot talent, hot really? comic. Hot dude, hot Simpsons writer. Hot, no, no. This is years, five is it years, Boston? four years. No, this is 1995. I was just here in L.A., king of alternative comedy. Ah, you and David Kackner. Yep, hot dude. Yep, a lot of deals, a lot of stuff, a lot of people wanting to get into the Dana Gould business. See the mood elevation now that we've pissed. I mean, oh for yeah, real, I feel so great. Is that I no true? You feel a lot like of I have de- a live raccoon trying to crawl <laughs> up through my penis. It was so unpleasant. Oh yeah. Uh, you uh, had a lot of deals and pilots. And yeah, I was. It was like when I was hot shit. You were yeah, hot. I was hot shit. Yeah, I was hot. And uh, and uh, we met and uh, we How? met at Kathy Griffin's Christmas party, December of nineteen ninety four. Uh huh. Uh, Kathy Griffin's had, yeah, Christmas yep. party. We had a date on January thirteenth, nineteen ninety five. Oh. 
and we have been together ever since. Oh, geez. Yeah. What was your first date? We went to dinner, and then I it was I did it I I did it very cowardly. <laughs> and I did then it very, I lunged at her. No, I was I was a, I was a coward about it because uh, we went to dinner, and then halfway through the dinner, I was like, you know, this isn't a business dinner. I consider this a date. You said that because it was kind of amorphous. We should have dinner. I'm I'm, you're, I'm an agent. You're a talent. I'm a, I'm going to be huge. That's always weird. And then I cowardly acknowledged that I thought it was a date. That doesn't sound she cowardly. Was nice about it. Wait, did she, did she say I agree? She said get out. Uh, no, she did. She was fine. And we talked about Jack Webb. That was the great thing. Who's, She's who that? Oh, oh Peter. Peter. Up, should, get Peter should, a bottle. There should be a, a he, bell uh, that we ring when he I don't created know a little show called Dragnet. Okay. Uh, gi- giant in the television business. Uh huh. Giant, uh-huh. giant in the television. Just business. one of the giants. He was a famous radio actor uh, who created uh, Dragnet, Pete Reagan, Private Eye. Then he was in movies in, in Sunset Boulevard. He wrote and directed films. He wrote and directed the DI. He wrote and directed a movie called Thirty. Wrote and directed. Uh, uh, the Dragnet uh, motion picture wrote and directed a film called Pete Kelly's Blues. Uh-huh. Then he created Dragnet on television. He also created Emergency, Adam 12. He was a he huge... He invented the vitamin C drink, Emergency? No. no the, do you remember the show Emergency? It was about two paramedics in L.A. in the early 70s. No, but... Yeah, uh, it was a, he was huge. He was huge. I like raspberry. Yeah. <laughs> just not getting what you're saying. <laughs> just, he was like, a giant, he, if you, just watch him on YouTube. He was a, you, when you see him, you go, oh, him. Yeah, okay. Him. Sure, I'm sure, sure I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so you we had bonded this obscure, over this Mr. We had this Webb. obscure, uh, obscure uh, affection for Jack Webb. And you and you went to an Italian restaurant? On Melrose Avenue, yeah. Wait, did, it, did you say that or did I guess that? It was an Italian restaurant on Melrose Avenue, yeah. I believe I guessed that. The terrible restaurant. It was it's a now terrible a terrible restaurant. t-shirt store, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> like everything on Melrose. <laughs> all the shirts are Italian. It's all puns. terrible. It's all Italian. Melrose, went da- Melrose was so cool when I first moved here and now it's Oh, you mean like, like the hip part where there's like... Yeah, Melrose used to be genuinely hip. Now, now it's fake hip. It's kind of crappy. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool Los Feliz. I remember during... I remember uh, I had a lava lamp in my room. Yes. <laughs> this is a true weird story. I had a lava lamp in my room. You've I, never smoked anything. Nope. You have I, lava lamps. Yeah. I used to live in a house in Laurel Canyon with a bunch of people. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I had a lava lamp <laughs> uh, that I just turned on at night and would go to sleep. Watching uh, it. Yeah. I just kind of like zen out. Go and then... We had a cat that came with the house that uh, knocked it off my desk and smashed it. Doesn't that start a fire? No, it was unplugged. It just oh, okay. caused, made a mess. Um, so uh, I wanted to get a new lava lamp. The morning, the night before, I, the, ni- the night the cat smashed it was the night of the Rodney King verdict. Oh. And so yesterday, the, that day the riots started. And you're out shopping and for lava lamps. And I went to Melrose and I bought a lava lamp. And they were like, we're going to close soon. <laughs> really? Yeah, because the rioters are coming. Oh, my God. And I was like, I know, but I really want to get a lava lamp. <laughs> and she was like, you should be buying water. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. You're going to drink get my lava lamp, the please. liquid in your lava lamp when yeah. you're stuck in your I'm home. I'm just going to get my lava lamp. Did the uh, riot make it that far? Whatever? It made it close. It made it up to um, – Le- no, it made it to Hollywood Boulevard. It made it up to – no, there was a um, at La Brea and Melrose where there was a movie theater, and it is now an abandoned movie theater mm. across the street from the Futon Shop, which was then Rocket Video. Hmm. Uh, there was a guy with a shotgun watching diligently <laughs> dissuade people from helping really? themselves and stuff. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, and then they looted. Uh, they're up on Hollywood Boulevard. 
I started to laugh. I used to do a bit about it when they looted Fredericks of Hollywood, which they did. Um, not yeah, Fredericks of Hollywood, yeah. on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, but no, it got up. It, it, it got up. Oh wow! Yeah, but you got your lava lamp. I did get my lava lamp. You- I just—that's my memory of Melrose. Like, what did, and once, oh, you'll like this. Uh, once I was walking down Melrose with a Newberry Comics T-shirt on. Oh, okay, I do and, like that. And a guy was staring at me, and staring at me, and it was Elliot Easton from the Cars. Oh wow. Yeah, and he loved your shirt. He just loved it. He was, uh, and he pointed at me, and I was, yeah, I'm from Boston. And then we chatted. For oh, those guys are from Boston. Yeah, they're all from Boston. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're all from. They're all mass holes. The Kaz. The Kaz. The fucking. The fucking Kaz are awesome. The Kaz, Jay Giles, Band, and Aerosmith. The only three bands with just the all. Yes, they're Worth all mentioning. Three. If you go to Boston, every day in the news is there's talk of Aerosmith. Is it? It's the only band in music. Oh, uh, like, Aerosmith. So, how long did you date your wife before you got married? Oh, we dated four or five years and then got married in June of 2000. Okay, okay. and you know, Every day has been great. Well, you know what's funny? Every is- day is a gift, Pete. <laughs> you know what's funny is you have that bit. Three kids, four dogs, two guinea pigs, and a fish. Everything's awesome. You have this bit, man. You have a bit about how you just apologize to your wife. All the time. And that's and every time you do that bit, it makes my dick soft. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me go, no, not just marriage, just leave, everyone leave me alone. Yeah, it everyone is, forever. Got to get through. You got to get through that it. That makes me sad. <laughs> well, because it's the, it's a, it's sad. How, how you do you have a a significant other? I do not. Pete? Nope. That's a big part of the show. Is we just talk about that. And, and uh, how long has it been since you've had a significant other? In your life? Uh, almost a year. And how what was the longest relationship you've ever been in? Uh, seven years. Sixteen years. Yep, that's tw- that's over twice my record. Yeah, you just kind of. But so you're at sixteen years. But that makes me. How should I feel? Tell is me it how to feel. Sixteen years. Somebody do the math. I can't. Ninety-five to now, whatever that is. Mm, sounds a long time, is what it sounds like. But when you do this bit about, I'm not here to do <laughs> nobody math. Can, nobody can do not, the math. Nobody in this room is here to do math. I am uh, listening to that bit, and you talk about like you just kind of seventeen years. That's what it is. Dana, I, I want you here now, okay? Don't do math. <laughs> oh, God, you I can, are my wife. I can, ah, 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 ah. But that makes me feel like she's mad at you and you're apologizing. She's mad at me all the time. Why? Everyone, because everyone's mad, is mad at them all. Because we're raising, we have children, we, have, we're stressed, yes. we both have stressful jobs. Yes. Yes. But people ask us all the time, how do you two do it? We don't. We don't do it. Everything is a train wreck. Really? Yes. But okay. So, why? But do you have that thing where woman is mad? You don't know why, and yeah. you just yield and you just say, "I'm sorry," because yeah, you know here's, you're going to yeah, lose. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We yeah, you fight all the time, but but it's but we're also been together a long time and we're going to stay together for the rest of our lives right it's, we're not one of those people that we don't say anything everything's great and then some one day somebody wakes up and goes i'm out of here right you know that's like that's not an option it's not good um, no we're not you're letting it out you leave the yeah, windows we, open yeah we we just uh, fuck you fuck you See come that? on that's the juice that's what i'm missing big time yeah i'll tell you i can't even do it with my friends i went to see a movie with a friend of mine and he's talking and doing bits and i couldn't tell him like i don't do bits in the movies i yeah. watch the movie that's something I got to yeah. fucking work on. I don't want to live tweet my life. Yeah. Please be quiet. Please, <laughs> yeah, please yeah. shut up. How do you Stop. say I'm bad with conflict and I'm bad, like I am. Yeah, I hate conflict. I hate conflict. But I'm envious of the fact that you can tell your wife uh, whatever it is if you do say fuck you or whatever and let it out that that's how you feel and then you move forward. Yeah. That sounds it, great. Yeah, because it's, you know, you're, you're, 
you're in a in a big endeavor, you know. Yes. Uh, having a family is a big endeavor and the kids and we're both yeah, and we both have very 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 stressful time-consuming jobs. Yes. And uh yeah, you it's it's not a and yeah, we and neither are, one of us drinks. You know, we don't have like you know, we have no no you know, steam release. Yeah, we don't have any steam release. I think just, it might just be worse if you were drinking. So you yeah, well, it would be. You don't uh you don't drink? No. And I mean, I I I drink. I don't I'm not a drinker. I'll have a beer. A, Right. It, 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 if I go out on a Friday, I'll have a beer with dinner. Right. But I don't get drunk and I don't. Mr. Plow is a loser and I think he's a boozer. I, yeah. know, I know you weren't there yet. Uh, okay. I do know Mr. Plow. So you don't not drink, but you're not a drinker. I get yeah. that. And you've never smoked. No. And your wife doesn't I, drink. No. Never? No. No. Not what do a, you guys do to unwind, Plow? Work. We, we know we're both like, she's not, she's not where she is at her age. By accident. Right. You know, yeah, she's, she's fucking making it happen. Yeah, yeah. She's going to win. Well, that goes back to the, oh, this is you know, like we're going Russian... to, Here's an example. Yes. I'm not, I was, I was previously not looking forward to this, and then my schedule got so crazy, I thought, ah, this might be good. What, we're this... going to go on a Disney cruise. Oh. And before I was like, oh, fuck, that sounds like diarrhea to me. <laughs> we're all going to get diarrhea. It yeah. just sounds horrible. Yeah. But then like so many things stacked up in my just like stuff that I have to do and right. and like, yeah, you know, just going on a boat for a week and just kind of getting away from everything actually sounds kind of nice. It can just, be nice. I was like, I'm away for the week. I can't get email called. If it's an emergency, please call him. Yeah. I'm done. That'll be great. I'm out. That'll be good for you. Although yeah. you're kind of, because you're a comedian, you'll always be working in the yeah, sense that. Yeah, I'll always be thinking, but just but, like to not there's a quality of the sub- letting the subconscious relax a little bit and let those ideas ferment. I yeah, bet, yeah, I yeah, bet yeah. when you get back, you'll have a real spurt for all the things you're working on. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, just plow all the time. Right. This actually goes back to what we were saying about the uh, about uh, competition. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't live competitively. Right. I think that's true of that guy. I, I'm I'm interested in contradictions. Right. And that's true of me. If you look at me, I don't like being competitive. I don't like sports. They don't make sense to me. It's like, no, why, why, way, that's weird. why do we pretend that this counts as a, a goal unit? I don't understand. <laughs> Everybody, let's relax and let's just let's just free shoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I like that with politics. It's like the left is dedicated to destroying the right. The right is dedicated to destroying the left. You know, the country's 50 50. Neither one of you are going to win. Right. Why can't you just shrug? Yeah. And find a way to make shit happen. Yeah. I agree with that. That's why politics don't in- interest me at all either. I'm fascinated by them by the yeah. for whatever reason. It's interesting. But okay, so this goes But back. one of my closest friends, I am a you know frothing Irvin. Hollywood liberal. Yeah. And one of my best friends is a very professional Republican. Really? Yeah, my, one of my closest friends of the world put Arnold Schwarzenegger in the governor's seat of California. Really? Yeah. Made that happen. Yeah. Ran his campaign. Really? Yeah, professional Republican on Meet the so Press. You're able, conservative column in Time Magazine. If you were a competitive person, that probably wouldn't work as well. You'd have to win this man over. Yeah, we, but and yeah, but he, what he, what he explained to me because he's so smart and so funny and so great. His name is Mike Murphy. Uh, he's like, you know, there's there's Murph. There's there's the politics that you see on Fox and MSNBC, and that's the carnival that they do mm-hmm. because they're. They're obsessed with conflict because it drives drama, which gets you to watch, which allows them to sell mop and glow. Mm-hmm. And then there's the politics of running the country, mm-hmm. which is a little different. Which is you know, not it's about bled the into it more than it used to be. But at the end of the day, you know, they know that they just have different constituents and they got to make shit happen. Interesting, you know. So it's all about mop and glow, or half of it's about mop and Everything glow. Everything on MSNBC and Fox is about mop and glow. <laughs> yeah, very funny. 
It's true. I but no, I just yeah. I just think it was a laser accuracy. Dare yeah. I say? <laughs> Here's the contradiction that I wanted to. I, I'm interested in the contradictions of all artists, uh-huh. and I think we're all at odds with ourselves. I think that's not just artists, but everybody. Mm-hmm. One of them is part A. I'm not a competitive person. I do want other people to succeed. That's completely true. Then there's this other side of me that's just covered in layers of flab and bullshit that I hide. That is Daniel Plainview saying, "I want no one else to succeed. That I just, sure. I just want the world. I want to watch the world burn. I want everything. It's it's a child. There's a small child in me that uh, that I hide and I discourage. But everybody has a part of them that's entitled and that uh, and is greedy sure. and it's selfish and is competitive. And I, I just want to say that. It just felt good saying that. Like, uh, I murdered eight people because I'm right. t- it's, it's tiring to keep him down. Yeah. Be, part of being a good person is keeping that guy down. No, there is. You know, there is. I understand, like, when you see a young actor or somebody who just, like, they haven't had a kick in the balls yet. Yeah. And it's just like, and you just do the, did I get theirs? Yeah. You know? Did, I, yeah, you got their turn. I never missed an opportunity to get kicked in the balls. Yeah. What was your first you know? bo- kick in the balls? What was your what was your humility? Where did that come from? No, I mean, like, I mean, it was just time. I mean, it's like, you know, pilot, the pilot never gets picked up. Yes. The, you know, it's like, you know, you don't get on SNL. Da, 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 you know, right. it's just like time. Did you audition for SNL? Uh, yes, I quite, uh, yeah. I, uh, this Were you going to say you quite famously did? Is there yes, a good story? Yes, because Chris Rock actually tells a story on what the fuck. Really? Yeah. It's a, oh, then I've heard it. Um, I auditioned with, um, well, here's my version of the story. Um, I auditioned and this with, is my version of Mark's podcast, so that works out well. Right. <laughs> here's my version. I auditioned with two other guys. Me and two other guys were flown to Chicago to audition for Lauren. Uh-huh. I had the set of my career. It was just one of those nights. The material Destroyed. was good. Yeah, it was just, you know how it happens. Moon, stars You walked line away up. from the car and it exploded and you didn't flinch. Star, yeah, stars line up. Everything yes. worked out great. And I flew back with those guys thinking, oh my God, I'm going to go to an SNL. First thought. So this is how it feels when your dream comes true. Wow, my dream is going to come true. This is amazing. Two, oh shit, I just started dating Sue. Well, I guess we can make it work long distance. Fuck, I have to buy boxes. God damn it, what am I going to do with my apartment? I immediately go down to the weeds of that. What am I going to do? Shall I bring my model kits? No, I'll bubble wrap my model kits and put them in storage. I don't want to leave them in my apartment. Maybe I'll sublet my apartment. All down in the weeds of my life. Yeah. Also, thinking of the guys, there. right, on the left of me and the right of me, the other Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, you guys will be fine. You'll get your shot. Don't get too close that's to me. That's who is to your left and to your right? <laughs> yes, that's that's what we auditioned with. Don't get too close to me, guys. You'll give, you'll be burned in the fuel of my oh, rocket fire. No. Yeah. Are you make, fucking kidding? No. And 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 I didn't know that they rem- even remembered it. I remembered it really well. And then Chris was on my, my yeah. pri- to- podcast, and he said, uh, "I just for SNL. Dana Gould is better than us. I don't know what the hell was going on." That I'm night. remembering now. And then uh, I'm remembering now. And I've told that story a million times. I've told that story a million. I've dined out on that story more times than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. And then my wife, who runs show business, went to New York to see Chris in a play, and he told her that story because he knows we're married. And then when she came back from New York, she goes, you know that story you always tell about auditioning for SNL? And I go, yeah. She goes, it's true. Ah. So what happened? I don't know. They just decided to go think, another no, direction. No, I think I was very, no, I think, I don't care. It was a kick in the nuts. It was a kick in the nuts at the time. And you do wonder like how differently life would be. Um, but I have bigger disappointments about smaller things. <laughs> um, I'm much more disappointed that World on a String didn't get picked up. Right. The pilot I did last year didn't get picked up. But, right. Um, I think that Lauren likes to mold talent. Right. And I was very not 
you were moldable. Talent. I was already molded. Yeah, I was sort of pre-molded. Interesting. And I just don't think. I mean, I know. I know. Lorne knows me and likes me, and yep. I say hello to him when I see him. And, yeah. You know, he said nice things to me, and nice things about me to people that yeah. have told me again that mm-hmm. you know. It's like I don't. I'm clearly any... a fan. It's just not. Yeah. And I don't think I would have done well in that show mm. at that time because mm-hmm. that was at that. Sandler Spade, Farley, very kind of jockey, and it's just not my sensibility. Right. I like those. I like all those guys. Yeah, um, but uh, it's just not my sensibility. Interesting. That's really interesting. So it was kind of like, eh. and I remember going to see, like in '94. I remember going with <clears throat> when Janine and Chris Elliott were on the show, and mm-hmm. you know, it can be hard on you. That show it can. can be be, it's very you. hard on you. Yeah. In fact, I'm getting to the point. Look, SNL's always been a dream of mine, but then I'm kind of like. Oh, I think there might be other things. Like you're saying your pilot, that might be a better fit for you. Create and run your show, yeah. star on your own show. Different hours, different w- environment. Yeah. It's not live. It's not uh, pitching to uh, fucking Coldplay a sketch right, or whatever. Right, right. It sounds like it's really, really difficult. It sounds very invigorating. And it's yeah. always one of those things that I was like, you got to go if you can. But yeah. then I was like, maybe there are other ways around. Maybe there are other ways up this mountain. Yeah. Exactly. There's right. ton, yeah. There's tons of ways to do it. And, I love it. And you're and and you're and you're you know. And my hero. None of my comedy heroes are from SNL. Yeah. You know. That's uh, interesting to hear. Yeah. Who are your comedy heroes? Oh, Albert Brooks. Yep. Uh, well, he did the short films. Yeah, but that was before it became SNL. I right. Mean, right. Right. Just, you know, he's right. not. He's not known for SNL. Yeah. That was and, just uh, a small moment where I wanted to look smart. Yeah. You did. You hurt me. I hurt. <laughs> you cut me. You cut me on that. You drew a little blood. My dick on cut the my table. eyes. Cut yeah. my eyes. I can't see. <laughs> um, you know, George, uh, George Carlin, and you know all those people right. that I look up. Didn't although he hosted the first episode. I. You know, I didn't want to say that, but uh, he did. But he's not known as an SNL. Of course person. not. Of in course. fact, he in his book he takes a big dump on it. Really. Uh, which yeah, one? Oh. In, in his book Last Words, he talks about how he was, a, how he fucked up the first time, and now the second time he did it, he had a really good time, but he just didn't feel like he was ever a part of that club, which he wasn't. He was always his own thing, his own guy, yeah. and a gentleman and a scholar who'll look at you and talk to you. I cannot say enough good stuff about that guy. You knew him, yeah. Well, socially, socially, socially well. I had a acquaintanceship. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, with him into the uh, bitter time? He kind of got bitter towards the end. This is this is all I know about George Carlin. He was great. He was he was uh, he brought it. He was never bitter off stage. His act changed. Yeah. Uh, he went through a big depression when his wife Brenda died, mm. uh, which was when he did that crazy show uh, "Life Is Worth Losing," which was the next to last special he did, I think. Uh-huh. And the one with the the back. Drop was a cemetery. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and it's incredibly dark, and it would have never aired were it not for George Carlin. It's a fascinating document to look at mm-hmm. because what this is is a 68 year old man at the time. I think he was 68 in the in the grips of a deep depression. Yeah, grieving for his wife, who, yeah. his life, his life partner yeah. who had died, and working his way through it. Mm. And it's fascinating to watch if you if you if you follow him. It's like if you're a fan of the Who, you know. It's like the Who by numbers is a fascinating album because it's Pete Townsend having a nervous breakdown. Uh, you know, so it's if you follow it, it's yeah. interesting to listen. It's to. A, it's it's the deep cut. It's, it's the, the deep side. cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's in, in a his, grief observed. 
Yeah. It's and sad. then it's that's sad. the name of your new CD, I believe. And then, <laughs> and then he came out of it. And I actually think that Carlin's last special was one of his best specials. Yeah, so that's it's great to hear. He just bounced out of it. But yeah, yeah no, he, he was never bitter as a person. His act took on a very different tone. Hmm. But uh, he was always a very affable dude. Yeah, that's great yeah. to hear. I, I sound like I'm a really close friend of his. No, 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 no. This, this is a safe zone. All green lights. All green, All green lights. lights. I'm very good friends with his daughter. Is that right? Yeah, Kelly. What does she do? She's a comedy person. She has a one-person show, and a, a, uh, she has a, a show on Sirius XM. Oh, uh, fun. Yeah, she's great. I love Kelly. That's great. Well, they, speaking of Carlin, and he was very outspokenly uh, not a believer in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, where do you land on that? I'm always Funny interested. you should say that, because mm. I have a stigmata that's related to that. I know that. you do. You have. Well, that's not historically accurate. They probably crucified Christ through the rest. Oh really? Yeah, I, I always wondered. Cowards! I always uh, well because you go through that bone. How fucked right. up is that? You go through that bone. That's going to carry. Where if you went by your hand, you're going to tear out. Yeah. Well, I was raised Catholic, so I I rejected it all. When? Um, you know, as a as a as a youth? No, as a young man. As a as a you know, I kind of like ballpark? this is all crap. Yeah. Ballpark age. You know, in my, I never thought about it much until like my mid twenties, and then I was like, "This is bullshit." You just—I certainly eschew all organized religion. I think all organized religion is bad. utter horseshit. Bad news. I think it's utter horseshit. I'm not a devout atheist. I recently went on the ardent atheist and got in a long argument. What's the ardent atheist? The oh. ardent atheist is a radio show with Paul Provenza and Emery Emery, and Mark Marin and I went on as guests, and we thought it was just going to be a nice. God bashing festival, yeah. And Mark and I were like, "Well, no, I'm not a, I'm not a devout fundamentalist yeah, well, atheist." Well, Mark came on the show and and he said something very similar. You actually reminded me of him, where he was yeah. like, "It's just not really that interesting to me. It's not yeah, really yeah, that yeah, important yeah. to yeah. me." That that kind of baffles me. Uh, that that approach of the it, I don't care. Uh-huh. I, I, I kind of couldn't care more. That's why I, I just right. I, I, well here's my here well here's my easy thing, and then I'll tell you the story of my stigmata. Um, <laughs> I I I've had too many creepy experiences. Mm. Right now, one one of them going on right now, where I'm like, there might be something. Yes. I mean, but I don't think it's anything that we can conceive. And this is what I said to you know the, the devout atheists think there's no way you can conceive of an invisible man in the sky who knows everything about you that can dictate your movements mm-hmm. um, and 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 predispose. And I go true, true, but. You're you're ruling out the fact that something could exist beyond your comprehension, right? Uh, which which is ridiculous. To that end, how could my dog and my computer ever occupy the same room? Right. Because there's no way my dog could conceive of my computer, and yet they are both completely. And there it is. Yeah, and there it is. Right. So you know we don't we don't even use all of our brain, and and right. and who says we're the most highest form of evolved well, creature? Well, I you know um, it's so interesting. I just just dabbling in meditation. Uh, I don't. You can just feel the women getting horny listening. As far as I'm <laughs> I'd like to think so. Uh, just dabbling <laughs> in all, meditation. They're all nuns. In, oh, I'm, it, no, I'm a devout meditator. Are you? Uh, yeah. I'm well, just exploring the mind and the things, the fucking amazing. I barely yeah. do it. I'm, I just ran into. Okay, here's a couple things. I was just thinking about. Uh, taking a meditation class and then I ran I, I can hook you up with some Jason Manzukas and he was just he was like I was just thinking about taking a meditation class I was like perfect we're going to do right. it all these I'm always seeing weird you know where you going I have a guy but I'd love to get your guy yeah or a woman well, it doesn't matter yeah but the idea the NCM Center in Beverly Hills the, 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 the David Lynch Foundation okay that. okay the, I'd you love, get to meet uh, David Lynch I'd love to how are you I want to hear this. how are you Dana <laughs> I'm good, dude. I I had an amazing thing happen to me today. <laughs> what happened? I was in my garden and there was a hummingbird, and the hummingbird was making this noise like. Brr, brr. 
very lightly. And I thought this was fascinating, so I started to make the noise back. I started to go, and I thought it was amazing. And here I was communicating with this hummingbird, and then I went into the house, and I saw my friend Earl, and I told him about the hummingbird, and he said, they're very territorial. It was probably telling you to fuck off. Uh, (laughs) Is that a real story? It's a real story. From him? Yes. Well, anyway, this is why I want to get into meditation, because I I recently had this uh, realization that these Tibetan monks that go and spend, I said this to Manzukas in, in this juice store that I was in, a uh, very L.A. moment. I was like, these, yeah, t- these, was. these Tibetan monks that develop. You had a lot of L.A. going on. I just do, then. I do. And then I got a call and I had a deal. I'm kidding. But I, they were, we were in the talking about Tibetan monks that devote their lives to meditation. All they want to do is uh, you know, lift the veil of the illusion of reality. And I was like, the reason they're mm. doing that is because it's awesome. It, I, I, I just realized that. It's not because they want some alone time. It's yeah. not because they just want to sit there in silence. It's because if you focus your mind, it will fucking trip you out. It will make it like you're on uh, acid or mushrooms yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and yes. That's what I that, – I'd like some you of can, that. And, and what is also Tell me about, about meditation. It. Yes, but tell it, me. But here's the here's – the, you, know, uh, you, you know, what is great about meditation – is especially for people, uh, you know, in my own perspective, in show business, show there's business. a lot of, there's a lot of hardcore, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, scientific proof that empirical, empirical evidence that uh, if you meditate twice daily, your stress levels increase, your your thought, decrease. your stress levels decrease, your comprehension increases, kids learn more, they're healthier. It's just, you can't, it's now being It's used. objective, it's on the paper. It's on the paper, we you have. can't argue with it. Can't argue with it. Um, uh, it's your kids now meditate? being used, not yet, but okay. they will. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they want to or not. They're <laughs> going to be exposed to it. Yeah. Um, they are using it a lot now in PTSD, a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder cases, people coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, the Wounded Warriors Program and the David Lynch Institute mm-hmm. uh, Foundation. They have a lot of work. Uh, public schools who uh, have this thing called quiet time, which is a twice daily meditation. Yeah. All amazing things. Yeah. Just for the simple um, being in show business, mm-hmm. it's great to remind yourself twice a day that it doesn't matter. Yeah. This is all just a roller coaster. To ride. surrender your ego. And just enjoy it. That's the it. Bill Hicks thing, too. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Just enjoy it. You know, I know, we know so many people, some of them, you know, we've talked about today, some of them, most of them have gone nameless, um, who just have to win. Mm. You know, and, and, and it's, it's a competition. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And at the end of your life, you look back and realize, oh, I was. Running the race, and then there's no race. Yeah. That's a terrible thing to realize at the end of the life, at the end of your life, that you killed yourself running in this race, and there was no, one, lo- yeah. no one called a race. <laughs> no one called a race. Did you think you were in a race? I want to reek something. No, we were just, yeah. <laughs> Not having. <laughs> but that's true, and, and that's a really... You look over your shoulder in the final moments of life and yeah. realize no one is chasing you. Yeah. You just fucked up. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, you don't, you know, there's and nothing to win. And that's what meditation does for you. For me, It yeah. puts you a little bit inside. But when you're in that space, is it trippy? Are you getting into kind of like a visual sort of... No, I no, you it's like a amazingly restful break. Yeah. You know, you can feel your neck ping, you feel your muscles loosen yeah. and uh 
just adds a lot of clarity Interesting. and, uh, and uh, serenity to yourself. And I know, and I look at people that are just like, ah, that deal, blah, winning, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, You're like, you could use some of this. Yeah, but you don't even have any... You don't feel pity. You don't feel angry. I, I look at them like a dog chasing a car. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's don't, good. You don't know what you're going to do if you ever catch this thing, do you? Right. It gives you perspective. Yeah. It, it's, it's not even... Again, it's like... You want to just say, there's no race. Right. Yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. How long does it take? How long you meditate for? Uh, you, optimum optimum is twice a day for 20 minutes. I don't always pull that that's off. That's not that bad. No. How long does it take to get into it? You know, it just you just have to keep doing it. It's like stand-up. Yeah. And you then get, you get good at it. Yeah, and then you get good at it. And it's great. And then you always have that place. You can always go there. Uh, you know, you yeah. can always to, uh, check in. Yeah. Who were you on Seinfeld? <laughs> Is that an email? <laughs> I just love going from like, oh, it's interesting. You got to find that place. There's no yeah. race. Who are you on Seinfeld? I played Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. Uh, I was. Uh, I'm so stupid that I was like, you mean on the show? What in the show? You were. Kramer? I was fragile Frankie Merman. Jerry's uh, the Summer George. Jerry's George in the summer when he was a kid. Summer George. And I, yeah, it was Summer George, and I gave. The most famous episode, I gave Jerry a van. I, got, I, I was a car dealer, and I gave Jerry a van that he didn't want. I remember. And so he, I, my feelings got hurt, and I dug a hole in Central Park, and I hid in it. And Jerry Stiller was in that episode. Yes. I, I acted with Jerry. You're in that hole. That's a yeah. weird one. Seinfeld's van. Seinfeld's van. Son of Sam. Son of Sam. CBS Red, Radford. Yeah. Is that where the hole was? Yeah. Fun yeah, time. that's me. Fun that was time. a really weird episode. I love And what was really funny was, like, we were, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry and I were in the car, and set in, you know, and Andy Ackerman, who was directing it. And I know uh, Andy Ackerman. Yeah, he Andy's did a lot of Teenage Daughter. Super cool guy. Yeah, he's, cool he's, he? his neighbor is Billy Joe Armstrong. Go on. Oh. How right. fucking cool is that? I know. I love Green Day. And so we were talking and doing the scene, and we were both kind of doing, like, hitting the joke. And he was like, no, don't do that. Just kind of say it. To say it, and we were both like, "No, I know how this comes out funny." Right, right, right. <laughs> we both know how this. Yeah. But he, he, of course, was right because we were performing, and he wanted us to act. Right. So it's a very different discipline. Andy um, But we both were just like looking at each other, like, "I know how we should be saying this." Right. Like, no, I know. Right. And the take that you that it uses of course, Andy's of tag. course, Andy's tag. Yeah, and he's because it's the good one. Right. Because acting is not about talking; it's about listening. It's the notes you don't play. It's the notes you don't play. That's why people don't think if you're a good stand-up comedian, you'll be a great actor. They have nothing to do with each other. One well, is about it? talking and one is about not talking. That's great. Chris Rock said uh, it would be like assuming a good waiter is going to be a good chef. What a brilliant observation. Isn't that great? They yeah. work in the same place, but it's I was, like, wrong. Yeah, that's brilliant. I always like when people crap out a play, like they scribble a play out and they call themselves a playwright. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yes, I can cook a hamburger. I guess I'm a chef. That's great. Uh, Steve Martin, he said, only... Bad painting is still called art, is one of my favorite quotes. It's oh, like, only great stand-up is called art. But it, you could paint anything, and it would be like, this is my art. And be like, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. This is my stand-up. It's art. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not until it's great. Yeah. I don't know if stand-up rises to art that often. I think it does. I think it should. I think it's a wonderful craft. Oh, no. And then occasionally it pops over the, pops over the surface. Absolutely. Okay. I will agree with you that it is it is crafted like a pint of Guinness. It's it's beautiful to watch someone that's really good at it. Yeah. And I, I hate a lot of it. And I watch a lot of it and I can't stand it and I want to fix it. It's very unpleasant yeah. for me to watch other other people perform. That sounds so hoity toity, we're gonna leave it in. 
Uh, but it's also because people are lying a lot. Yeah. Well, th- to me, <laughs> Jerry, have you ever seen Richard Pryor live in concert? Of course. The first one. Not to say of course. Where he has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. That's art. Yeah. That's art. And and that, that, that's a, that is, to use it, want to get hoity-toity? Yeah. That's a symphony. Okay. What he does on that, what he does in that concert recorded in 1979 mm-hmm. has never been approached. Mm-hmm. No one has ever gotten, no one has ever been that good mm-hmm. on a stage. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Love it. That's Nobody. art. Okay, so you're, you're, you have some serious sticks to measure. Maybe me. <laughs> Asswipe. You, know, you have some serious sticks to measure stuff by. I'm talking about... That's I th- the Beatles. I think you know, a, that's the Beatles. I agree. I agree. But I think a good podcast... I think some of the episodes that we've done of this show are art. I know that's a weird thing to say about my own show, but I listen to them and I'm like, this is, this is making me feel everything. That, to me, is art. Uh, I think some stand-up, when I see someone really interpreting something and getting into something and being honest about something, I'm like, this is art. Yeah, when, when it's honest, it, it, that's when it approaches. And that. then I hate it when, it when it even just little lies. I can't stand it. I, uh-huh. I, I'm trying to think of who I saw last night. I don't want to shit on anybody specifically, but it was something – it was just fake. It was like – and then my father says – and I, the, all I want to do, the kind of shit talking I want to do in the back of the room, I'm such an asshole, yeah. is I want to go – did he really say that? Like that's all I want to do. Yeah, Todd, Gla- Todd Glass had the funniest thing. Todd Glass made me, makes me laugh so hard. And uh, I remember once, ironically, was talking about Carlin because Carlin had this famous joke about like, you know, the woman goes, "Get on the plane, fuck you, I'm getting in the plane." Yeah, and yeah. Todd goes, "You know what she meant." Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Todd Glass was in my dream last night. Woo. See, that's enough for me to be like, "There's more." That's mm-hmm. all I need. Gould. We got to do this again, man. You're the best. I'm not going to leave. Okay, let's keep going. It's David, make Kechner. everybody uncomfortable. Keckner didn't want to leave either. Old, old Keckner, your friend. Old, Dave. <laughs> old <laughs> Mountain Dave, we call him. I wrote down retard and fag on the paper to, <laughs> to bring it back. Dana Gould notes. These are my retard, notes. Fag. Retard, fag, Seinfeld, anxiety, competition. I like it when people die. Smoke. Room. I had to learn how to smoke. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I got to tell. Oh, you room two? performer. Can I tell you my stigmata story very yes, please. quickly? Can Close it out with, it with the stigmata. Because Camille was Wait, with that's me. That's what really happened. Stigmata? No, but I'll tell you, it's close to it. Camille was with me. I did. Bill Cosby's wife. Camille Nanjani, who you mentioned. Camille. Camille. What did I say? You said Camille. I say Camille. I meant Camille. <laughs> You're gonna bust my cock on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Carla and his wife, Amiley. Camille and his wife, Emiley. We were doing the bowling, bowling, yes. bowling for the internet, whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah, bowling for the internet. And uh, we were on with the Walking Dead cast. Uh-huh. And um, I, uh, I'm so besotted by that girl, Lauren, the British girl. The From Walking Dead. Dead? Yeah. So besotted by it that I thought, I'll say something really shocking mm-hmm. just to kind of, one kind of make her remember me and two make make her not want to talk to me so I won't be <laughs> won't have to deal with this woman that I'm besotted with what's besotted mean you love her or oh, you I hate love her. her oh I love you love her. her oh I love her For, that's She's what so I thought cute. I meant and so did sweet. you know that word Fuck so everybody. cute so sweet so I thought I'd say something <laughs> crass to yeah. show off yeah so I did the most potent arrow in my quiver yes the stinkiest fish in my creel uh, a little impression of a thing called retardo Jesus um, I'm not, I, and uh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yes, you ever. are. No, I'll you have to do I'm it never right now. Do it ever again. Please do it. But let me tell you the story. So I do it, and it goes off like the cluster bomb that it is. There's no more. You can't do any more. You can't go past it. 
There's nothing past it. That's why I like it. And and then literally within five minutes, my phone rings. And I don't believe in like stuff. Within five minutes, yep. my phone rings. It's retarded. OG. As our dog walker, Scott got stung by a bee and he's having a crazy religious re- allergic reaction. I'm going to take him down to the vet. Okay. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. So you're doing this sacrilegious bit. Yeah. And then immediately God attacks my dog. And then. With bees. The next night. God's bullets. The next. I know. And he goes after your dog. Yeah. What's my dog done to you? Yeah. Then. And then I'm like, I should never do that bit. The bit. I don't believe that there's an invisible man in the sky. But like if what Jesus is. A, a, if he really did go through what he was historically reported to have gone through. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is horrible. Yes. It takes place on the way to Golgotha. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, are you thinking about doing it? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it in a way off, off mic that doesn't require me the full throttle. Or your dog I'll to get describe, stung again. Right. So then the next night, and I'm already like, okay, I can. Because I did that bit. I used to do it a lot. And my wife actually made me confess at a. Before my brother's wedding, because I was in the wedding and I had to take communion. Oh. So my wife was like, "You have to confess that bit, or you can't take communion." And, Whoa! And both of us are like crazy yeah. agnostics. And but then I did the priest was not impressed by it at all. He you did the bit for me him? like I was a bug. Yeah, yeah. He looked at me like I was a bug. And uh, so then the next night, Saturday night of this week, I'm my wife's out of town, and I'm alone with my children. It's about twelve o'clock at night. And I'm alone with my kids. My kids are three, eight, and nine, and they're asleep in the beds. And I'm up alone, and I'm putting something on the top shelf of my closet. And I'm standing on a shelf, and the shelf falls. And I fall backwards on the little table that we have in our closet, Mm -hmm. raking my leg. And my hand gets impaled on my wife's jewelry tree. Uh Uh-huh. And I literally am like, I've, I'm in shock for in, a minute. In the palm of your hand, Jesus style. Yeah. And like, I'm in shock for a minute. I'm like, yep. if you've ever really fallen. And, Yikes. And then I just look and there's just, you look around and you realize, oh, there's blood everywhere. Oh, it's your and blood. And I just went into my hand oh. to the point that like, you can see in your hand. Oh, no. From the wound. Yeah. But I can't go to the hospital. Why? Because I have, I'm alone with three little kids. Uh-huh. I can't like, all right, everybody, wake up. We're going to go to the hospital. Oh, geez. So I just kind of put it, I get a towel, a hand towel, and I wrap it around my hand and oh. then I rubber band it so it'll stay like pressure on my yeah. hand. And it kind of stopped bleeding. Kind of. Yeah. This is oh. Sunday night. And, uh, oh. and then uh, kind of slept. And then the next day went uh, to uh, the nurse at my daughter's school. And I said, do I need uh, stitches for this? And she goes, well, you should have gotten them, but it's too late for them now. So well, I'm just going to do this thing. And she put like a butterfly strip on it. But, uh, you should have. Yeah. But, but it's too stitch- late. Yeah. It's like you need a six-hour window or something for stitches. And by that time, it's, re- it's not worth it. But, um, but I felt like too oh. close off. Too close on the heels of retarded Jesus ah! to get him impaled in the palm of the hand. And I've impaled the palm of this hand earlier uh, in my life on a, uh, on a bust of Jesus that was in my aunt's house. Really? Yeah. My I'm... aunt had a bust of Jesus on the, uh, looking like uh, looking miserable. It was, again, on the way to Golgotha. And yeah. it was a, it's, uh. a, it's a bust of a famous painting. Yeah. Uh, uh, Why not remember uh, Jesus I, I, I Jesus. Like this. 
Yeah. You know, bleeding. And, Scaring kids. And I reached out in the middle of the night to get a glass of water, and I impaled my hand on the bust of Jesus. On one of the thorns? One of the thorns. Yeah. And so uh, I decided uh... to step off the retardo Jesus bus. <laughs> the short bus. Yeah. Because I do feel like I'm going to die, and it's going to be a lot of fog, and he's going to walk out of the fog, and he's just going to go, really? Yeah. Really? Retardo. Retardo me? Yeah. And I'm going to have nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Defenseless. I, just, I thought it was funny. You did? I sent you hundreds of people to not laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just like, but I do, I envision it like getting chewed out by your boss. Yeah. Oh, really? You did? I didn't think it was funny. I'd like to think that he knows it's pretty funny. I like, I, I can't love a God that's a bigger dick than I am. I can't understand a God that doesn't know when I'm kidding when you, Dana Gould, know when I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that You know what too. I'm saying? What? Yeah. Who is this God that's just like, you know, drinking tea on doilies? Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, but see, immediately, then in my fantasy, I also go to like, and human trafficking. You did nothing about that. Uh, you, you bust my hand because of retardo Jesus. Yeah. And then kids are getting their eyes burned out so they can sing and get money in the streets of India. Oh. Fuck you, Jesus. It got real, real. And then, oh, we're up high. Lightning is coming. Yep, here we go. Good points. Valid Good points. points all. Well, it's a mystery. That's how they shrug it off. Oh, God. Dana Gould. <laughs> You are a magical man. <laughs> well, all right. That feels good. Yeah, that feels like a show. I'm sorry about your hand. Yeah, I'm afraid to look at it, honestly. It, I'm af- I'm thinking about it in a way that makes me... You could see, like, I had to poke the muscle back in when Ugh, I was... Gross, bro. How many of you ladies are turned on out there? Why did I press this issue? Here, I'll show, it. I'll show you the... No. Because I, I emailed my wife this photo, and I just said... Guess who did retarded Jesus again? And, and she I, got what you meant? Oh, sure. Meaning sure. I'm being plagued? Yes. This is like the movie Drag Me to Hell, but instead of yes, offend, it was. offending a gypsy, you yes, did a bit. It was like Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I could have shown this picture because it'll kill you. Um, Oh, right, there it is. All right. Well, yeah. I'm about to see it. Guess who? Like that's like uh, that's like 48 hours later, still oozy. Oh, and your wedding ring. I know. Still on. Still on. You champion. <laughs> you are a champion. Well, All right. I hope you heal. We end every show. I hope you heal. That should be a great way to sign off. We every hope show. you heal. We hope you heal. We. I hope the healing goes well. Come on. Uh, there's one of your your daughters. I was going to say one of your Chinese daughters. Yeah, just for comedy. Isn't that an R.E.M. song? Seven Chinese <laughs> daughters wandering <laughs> through juice pops. I'm also evaluating your home. That's how I know I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very mid-century nice. Look, modern. Yeah, look at that nice fridge. Mm-hmm. Wide aluminum fridge. Oh yeah, we got a Sub Zero. Got to get one of those. Yeah, you've sold a few pilots. <laughs> Dana Gould, we thank you so much for being here. Uh, we end every episode with the guests saying uh, "Keep it crispy" if they want to, because it delights me. I'm going to say it okay. like Charlton Heston. Okay, please. Keep it crispy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. Thanks. Now leaving Nerdist.com.